Previously on Perfect Weekly. And welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. And I'm Jen's mom. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We would never ever say Snape scathed. We would say Snape said scathingly. 640,000 years ago, that third of America blew up. Boys and girls, (laughs) there's a thing called erectile dysfunction. Oh my god. Yeah, but there's also a thing called Petrificus Totalis. Perfect Weekly, not only entertaining, but educational as well. (laughs) Do you own a pig. No, but I do have a goat. Really? We don't have a lawnmower. <laughs> What's the goat's name? Bernard. Oh my god, I'm not gonna lie. I have to- I have no idea what's going on. Somebody explain to me what just happened. Have you been here the whole time? <laughs> I've been here the whole time, but I can't remember what was just said. <laughs> oh my goodness. Poor Bernard was struck and killed by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> Okay, you guys are the ones who obviously laugh during people's funerals. I wore a really big hat. And I run after my car. (laughs) I've just finished taking a test on what's your seduction style. I have got to take that test. I don't know what that noise was that came out of Gambin's mouth. but I think it caused some women in the audience to become infertile. Oh, I love the social intercourse so varied. It gets me so excited for the guy this is like the Manhattan Project. Her man is Moses. Honestly, don't you people read? Okay, the two people. Her man is not Moses. Moses Here's dependent on Aaron. See, Batman depends on Robin. If you're going to do that. Moses the guy that was lost in the Moses. desert for like 40 years? That just okay. inspires confidence and crime-fighting ability. There's like auditoriums with movies that you can go in and sit and watch. Not while on the toilet. There's no way we have Wank. We don't care enough about the fans of to have Wank. Don't take offense to this guy. You guys are the most dysfunctional people. (laughs) These are really stupid people. Like, I have a lot to learn from these people. And now, Potterfic Weekly. Ryan says yak for a few minutes because Rena might join us. I don't think she really exists. I think she's a figment of Ryan's imagination. You better tell that to her face. (laughs) That'd be funny. I I think Ryan plays her voice. (laughs) Oh, Mike, have you actually listened to the podcast before you showed up? Really? Not, not before I showed up. I've listened to every podcast since I've gotten here, but I haven't gone yeah, back. Yeah, see, that's stuff. why you don't know Rena. Rena was, like, in, like, almost every episode in, up until she moved to the, what Brian calls the suburbs, which are really, like, the town. farm country. She's got, like, cows in her basement. She I've had a goat. A, I've always wanted to see a goat and a cow. In a goat You've never cow? seen? Are you no. kidding me? No. Not a real one. Even driving on the road. No, I've never seen a goat, a cow, a pig. A, I've seen horses. You've got to come to New Hampshire, Mike. Have you been? Have you been to a talk about zoo? culture shock? That would be a riot. Have you been to a petting zoo? No. Have you been to a non-petting zoo? <laughs> yeah, I've been to the Bronx Zoo. I don't remember seeing any cows in the Bronx Zoo. How did you get to where you from New York City to where you are now? I flew. That would explain okay. it, probably. You should drive next time. Hey, Rena. That would be me. Hey, Hi, oh Rena. Welcome back. <laughs> Hello. Mike thinks you don't exist because he's never listened to an episode before he joins. <laughs> I'm still skeptical. Oh, hey. Well, now you know. Could still be Ryan in disguise. Uh, yeah. I don't think he can do my accent. I just had to pop in to prove to Mike I'm actually not Rena. <laughs> They are two different people. We are, in fact, (laughs) not played by the same actors. Rena, how are you? I'm okay. I'm doing good. Well, how's your back? 
Uh, it is, you know what? I have a nice big fat bottle of Darvacet, so I am doing great. Welcome back, Rena. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I wasn't actually scheduled to come back until we start talking about um, the uh, Dangerverse stories. But uh, Ryan called in a favor, so I said that I would would come in. And I hope you understand that I'm so dedicated when I came back. I am TiVoing Lost for this. And I don't miss Lost for anybody. (laughs) Oh, sweet. That's the one with the island where the plane crashed on it and they're all kind of wandering around. Yeah, basically. And really, I mean, I love that show, and and I, I didn't watch it from the very beginning, and so when I was dealing with the aftermath of all the crap that had happened, I basically bought the first three seasons and watched them all uh, back-to-back on DVD, and I still don't know what the heck is going on. So, From what I understand, nobody does. Right, I'll exactly. Bit, I'll have to, uh, maybe that'll be my summer viewing, since now I'm all caught up on Battlestar Galactica. It's worth it. There are a lot of very, very pretty, pretty, pretty people on Lost. Oh, my God. Naveen Andrews. I am completely and totally in love with him. <laughs> we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about. I believe it's 15 through 19. Those chapters have some interesting events that occur in them. You could say that. <laughs> I have a question. Oh, my God. This, this is a normal Powerfic Weekly podcast. See, because we're missing all the hosts. It's just the peons. Somebody had a natural disaster. Somebody's very upset. And Mike has a question. There you go. What's your question? So my question, the the American or the New York guy, who I kind of like, even though he's a bit of mean to Harry, I don't get this whole thing with his daughter and why no one, first off, how come no one knows he ever had a daughter? How does, if he never had contact with his daughter, then how does his daughter know him? And since they're trying to kill his daughter anyway, why does it have to be a secret from the British auras that he has? And I, I just didn't get the whole thing with his daughter, like what the story was there. Like at first, I thought no one knows he has a daughter, so he doesn't want to reveal it to anyone. But how does his daughter know him as her father if he's never been interacting with her? I don't. If, I didn't get the impression that he had never interacted with her. How Just that the wife had left at some point because he put all his time and effort into his job. Then in which case, how is it a secret among the coven people who are from America that he has... Like, look, so he says it at one point that... Auras yeah, but just because they're from America mean that they know every aura and their family life and 
what's going on with them. He says Auras can have daughters in America. No one could ever find out about it because they would target her. What? Does it say he that? Say, he says it, that in one of the chapters. Which in the, like the last chapter. I'll find Auras are not allowed to have children or something? I don't know they're not allowed, but like, you know, like smart Auras don't have children in America because it's like the Wild West and our children would be targets. Okay, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. But... Are you asking why the Coven members don't know he has well, a daughter and why just, the British Aurors don't know he has a daughter? Well, two things. I guess the implication I took from that was that no one knew he had a daughter, whether they were the Coven, Americans, British. Just, like It was this big secret. But then my question would be, how does the daughter know him? And then my other question is... he's her father? But right, but if it's such a... Like, how is he keeping it secret from I didn't think he kids? was keeping it secret from her. I thought he... I didn't even... Get, he was keeping it secret from, say, the British people. I thought he was just he just didn't tell him, but I didn't think that it was a secret. He just well, he, he tells Ginny not to tell him because then she'll be a target. But she's a target anyway already. Yeah, I mean, she yeah. already has been targeted. <laughs> I don't think it matters, right? <laughs> I mean, been, obviously, he simply tell Ginny don't tell Harry and don't tell Ron and Tonks. Well, maybe well, he just it, didn't want them to know his business. That whole name, like, fit, uh, I mean. Uh, whatever Francis instead of Faith, uh, you know they kept stuttering over it. Well, and it's also, I mean, obviously, I have never met the person who is the author of this particular story, and I've never interacted with them. But it's also possible that they're using him as kind of a stereotype, right? You know, and yeah. See, I just kind of got the impression that it wasn't like it was a big secret, other than the fact once they found her and she was unconscious. He didn't say anything to protect her. That yeah. was my impression. And yeah. then once it became apparent that he needed Ginny's help to administer the the moon the moonstone moonstone is that what it was? Um, that you know he had to confide in her. You know he it was when they were sitting in that bar after the gala, and you know it was kind of like a quid pro quo situation. He told her about her being his daughter, and then she told him about her encounter at the shop with the, the witch. I, I just got the impression that he, he didn't say anything once they, you know, once she was in the hospital and unconscious to protect her because he is the or leading the investigation. Now we know that his wife left him and married this Ian guy who was in the coven. So okay. it's kind of got intermingled. And I think he was trying to protect her from them knowing that he was also involved in it. He could have felt guilty because, like, he, he kind of, like, let her get targeted, you know? Like, if he could have, if he was thought he could have protected her or thought that if people found out that she was his daughter, then he would have been, like, viewed negatively for not having protected her. Okay. Yeah, and the author doesn't really give an indication of how long it had been since, you know, his wife left him. So... But the way the daughter speaks, I mean, she sounds like a fairly young, maybe a tween, you know, like 10 to 13 or something. She, I didn't get the impression she was little kid. I thought, um, I, thought I, I, I mean. I thought she was eight. I, I thought she was. Yeah, I thought she was eight. eight. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, obviously she knows who he is. So mm-hmm. she was old enough to know who her father was before her mother left. That's the impression. Right. I told her to lie, too, because she's eight. So at some point. He right. Talked. Right. And she wouldn't do that for someone she doesn't know. Right. I had one other question, too. Okay. 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 Um, so if I understand this correctly, I guess it's two parts, too. Susan was trying to seduce Ginny. 
and that's why she was poisoning Ginny, and that's why she was so pissed off at Harry. Is that, uh, is that right? I don't no. I think so. Okay. I don't think she was trying to seduce her. I think the you, job, yeah, we, Susan's job, was to gain her trust. But she did, wasn't it that she wanted the trust? And so, like, because she wanted Ginny to trust her and to love her, went no. to the witch to try to. You, we Ginny can't out. really see much more about Susan's motives because it comes in later chapters. Okay. Right. I only read up to 19. I haven't read all of it. Yeah. So, but it's not a. Um, I, I just, I don't think it's a romantic. It's not that kind. It, yeah, it's not a romantic okay. thing. But she French, wants Ginny to be her friend. But the French aura was with – this is the other part I thought which, which was odd because the French aura was with Harry. But Harry just kind of like – are they still together at the time of this? Because he just kind of like ignores her and just takes Ginny's side and kind of pushes her. They were never together. I thought Ginny spied on them though and she saw them having sex. That is what Ginny thinks. Saw. That's all I'll say. Because it, it will be spoilers. Yeah, will be spoiled in later chapters if we say okay. more. You, you're right to have the questions because those are the questions you should have at this story. Right. But for us to answer them would be spoiling. For those are my questions. Chapters. Okay, so keep them in mind. You'll read ahead and you'll, you'll get the answers <laughs> soon enough. I have to say, I have to say here, one of my favorite things to read in all these stories is when um, people try to describe or talk about wizarding fashion. Because <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely cracks me up because some people, I guess, feel that, you know, they're kind of the wizarding community is like stuck in the Middle Ages or something. But then. <laughs> Some people come the complete opposite, and I mean, I really, I do not think I've, I've ever seen the phrase provocative decolletage and heaving bosoms. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're watching Dangerous Liaison. <laughs> right. I mean, you have you to... You heaving bosoms and... Yeah, I mean, you know, this, plunging decolletage everywhere there. Yeah, but it's, it's just not <laughs> usually a phrase that you see in conjunction with this stuff, you know? Yeah, I always had the impression with in the Wizarding World, and this is like one of my own like personal peeves with some fan fiction, when they try to bring too much like modern day muggle stuff in. But I always, right. you know, I got the impression because of when the Wizarding World cut themselves off from regular society was like in the 17th century, if I remember right. So they kind of like got stuck in that time warp there. But then again, in the books, you know, she does say, you know, they wear, you know, they're trainers and they wear jeans and whatnot. So it, yeah. it's, I think it's a fine balance between making it like a character of someone in, you know, in the 1700s and full modernization of it. It's, it's a fine line. It can go either way. I think it varies based. I was just going to say, I always interpreted it being that it wasn't, that it was the, the muggle born influence that was yours. That was bringing kind of modern clothing into what was a traditional wizarding society. And I guess I always kind of assumed that if, you know, Harry wins the war, you'd see even more of that because that's kind of the vindication of, like, the Muggleborns and the... Yeah, although the Weasley kids all wore their thought, Muggle yeah. clothes but under their robes. What I was going to say is that, like, they live in a Muggle village. They live near Muggles. So I think they would have to, to figure out or learn how to... If they wanted yeah. to live there. Like, I'm well, sure there's some sort of, like... In the ministry, there's some sort of office that like tracks where all the wizarding families live. And if any live too close to muggles and act too weird, they probably tell them. 
you know, they probably go after him. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, but I mean, pants are pants are pants. I mean, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> well, trousers are trousers are trousers, you know I mean? You can't really do that much of a variation. Yeah, Although I do love the description of thinking they're wearing. Like, do you think that wizards are wearing pants or do you think they're wearing robes without pants? Because, because, <laughs> well, I don't know. Mr. Arch, like, you know, that implies to me that traditional wizard wear is robes without underwear and Definitely not without trousers. I think that would be like an old school traditionalist. Or that it could was just be that he's a crazy old man. It could be that too. <laughs> I've worked in hospitals before. <laughs> you know, you, you get crazy old men who show up in in women's nightgowns who they don't I mean they can't tell you what their name is. I mean, it could just be that he's a crazy old man. Is this just me pulling from the movies? But I always, I always like, I think of their uniforms kind of like the, um, like the collared shirt with like the tie with and the, the pants. Yeah. That's, the, that's a movie thing. That's Definitely traditional boarding school attire. Okay. I mean, I think I when I picture robes, I picture robes. Like I picture, I don't even know how to describe what I picture, but there's nothing on under it. <laughs> and see, I always, I always assumed that. I guess in my mind, it always made sense that they would wear not necessarily street clothes, wear stuff underneath their robes. You did think that? Mm-hmm. I always did. I kind of was with P.S. I, th- I, I always thought of it as a muggle-born, muggle-influenced slash non-muggle-born influence. They the people who are the older generation. Again, I think it might depend on, you know, like a, a, a traditionalist versus yeah, a modern wizard. Who the wizard is, like... I mean, I'm sure there are some wizards that do wear what Rena says, and there are some wizards that just wear muggle clothes, and then there are some wizards that say the other thing, you know, that wear the other thing. I mean, I'm sure it is in this time period that we're talking about in the, the late 90s, early aughts time period, then I'm sure it is maybe balanced evenly three ways. Could be. Like, I wonder, yeah, like... Doesn't J.K. say that one-fourth of the wizarding world's muggle, one-fourth pure blood, and half is half-blood? I don't yeah, but she's not good at math. <laughs> I'm trying to find. It. I love. The I would. I would bet that Harry. that kind of statistic fluctuates. Yeah, generation. Because, yeah, because generation. if you got, it's like you've got your muggle. Like you have a bunch of muggle. Like for example, Harry is half blood, but his and Ginny's kids are pure blood. Are they considered pure blood? Yeah, because they have I mean, four wizard. They have four wizarding grandparents. Grandparents. So even though their dad is a half blood. They're pure blood, and so, but who knows who they'll marry and what their kids will be. Wonder so I bet like, statistics fluctuates. You never get a sense they differentiate between someone like Harry, who uh, both of his parents were magical, but his mother was muggle-born, and someone like, I can't think of a good example off my head, but someone who's actually, one of their parents actually was muggle. Like Snape. They, like <laughs> Snape, or like... Um, Seamus. Seamus. Yeah. I call Seamus, but yeah, Seamus. <laughs> You're channeling Jen. <laughs> we gotta get like a montage. Seamus, McGonagall, Horace. I, I honestly, I always read. I always read it as Seamus. I never realized it was pronounced. Where's the H in that? I don't know. They don't differentiate between the two kinds of half blood. Pure blood is four wizard grandparents, and if you have Muggle grandparents, you're considered half blood. Is that really what it's still They don't like, for instance, Harry's kids. So I almost found that. I almost think there'd be still even almost a generation beyond that. Like Harry's kids, you'd almost... She said it was this logic that the Nazis used to define Jew. 
it's, it's an inverse of the Nazi logic, though, because in the Nazi logic, it not was... Not an inverse, it is yeah, cause, oh, No, 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 because in Book 7, it was anyone who had one wizarding grandparent would be safe. And in Nazi logic, it was anyone who had one Jewish grandparent wasn't safe. So it's an inverse. First of all, I don't remember that from the book, and... It's, it is it, in the book. It could be safe by being half blood, but it doesn't mean pure. Right, but it right. does say that in the book that it's if one grandparent was a wizard, you're safe. And yeah, that's that's, that just means you're not muggle. But that doesn't right. mean you're pure, pure right. blood. It means you're half right. blood. So my, my, I am saying Harry and Ginny's kids are pure blood. All right. You're like you say it's it's true. No, it's true. No, I, I, I'm not doubting your word that that's what she said and that's what she said was true. I guess. My problem is I look at it from a social point of view, and I almost have a hard time accepting that it doesn't almost carry. Like you know, like if you have this, it, you have this prejudice against all these half bloods, right? Like half bloods of Harry's sort, and you dislike them for racial, racist, prejudice reasons. That their kids are just automatic. You know what I mean? Like, like it seems almost too logical to me that some of like the illogical. I that by if you're not first of all discounting the fact that Harry is famous and everyone knows his mother is Muggleborn. Like, if you a normal family that's like that, like pretend Harry is not famous. People that's aren't gonna, people aren't going to figure out who their children's who who the kids' great grandparents were. That's, I mean, that's true. It might be just Harry's fame. That's. I mean, if you if they were just a normal family. No one would care because they would just hear, especially because their last name is Potter, and they, and that's like a known wizard family. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? Like it may be different if the the last name comes from the Muggle line, right? Right. So it's not like if it's not like a, a known name, but I think especially since the the last name comes from the wizard line, and Ginny's a pureblood. True. Okay, well, getting back to the story, um, <laughs> we start with uh, the gala. Yeah, the, the gala. gala. Yes, and there's a. Uh, I just love it, the descriptions of all the stuff there, like the. Oh, me too. The dresses and the decorations and stuff. It sounds so cool. It does, and I, I, I love the. Um, I love the description of of Harry, and um, it says Harry had nearly issued the gala must less much less the tie. He had tossed it aside in a fit an hour earlier, leaving his collar open. He felt rebellious in doing so, and in turn, it made him appear staggeringly handsome, although he wasn't aware of the fact. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I, you know, it, it sounds so like James Bondish to me, yeah. you know. The, oh, Sean Connery James Bond, though, because he's the only real James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? No, you're not I've wrong. Never seen I don't James know. Bond. I've never seen James Bond. Okay, Mike, do you live in a hole? He doesn't listen to music. He doesn't watch TV. He doesn't do... Yeah, he doesn't... I watch TV, just not all TV. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Mike doesn't see James Bond either? No, I've never seen James Bond either. There's a movie Mike hasn't seen? I've seen lots of movies. I've never seen Star Wars either. There's like some odd gaps in my movie watching. But I've seen a lot. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have a penis and you've never seen Star Wars? Richard just made me watch the first one. It made no sense to me, and I found which, it quite Which boring. first one did you watch? Which first did you watch? The first um, one or the, the one with the old guy in it? <laughs> there's, I'm sure there's was it the one that came out in 1975 or the one that no came idea. out like in 1990? There was an old guy. There was um. Uh, was it the one with Darth Harrison Vader. Ford? If it's not Darth Vader, then it's the fourth one. I don't know who Harrison Ford is. I mean, I know who he is, but I don't like have a picture. <laughs> did it have a big furry creature or a thing with rabbit ears? Which creature did it have? 
I, I, I don't know of a thing with <laughs> rabbit ears look like, but there was a big furry thing anyway. Okay, and so then, it was, there was an old guy. It was episode four, which was the first Star Wars movie. Okay, saw them like, in time order. In oh. time order? You mean from one? You watched like episode one? Yes. Okay, one, first two, and then. Five, six. Yeah, I'm totally dating myself here, but I saw um, episode four of the first Star Wars movie in the theater. I think I was nine. Oh, um, the yeah. Return of the Jedi was the first movie that my parents took me to see. Really? Hmm? Which one's Return of the Jedi? Is it the new ones or the old ones? It's the, like, the last of the original three. But yeah, my parents, that was the first movie my parents ever took me to see in theaters. I honestly don't remember it. Um, I think I was probably too young, but my parents were big Star Wars, Star Treks, anything with the word star in it fans. And so, <laughs> and I am too. I mean, my TiVo right now, it pretty much, it records anything that has the word star in it because, because we record Star Trek and all that kind of stuff. And so anyway, going back to the story, <laughs> um, I think it's really funny when they talk about the drinks that they're making. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I wouldn't try some of these. I really do. But <laughs> I like how it, the, the cake on the boiler maker. Yes. Not that I've ever had one of those. Right. Of course not. Sure. Um, and the, <laughs> about to make the lemon drops, it's not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. I really, really do. Um, and I, I get that um, I, I, I have been mispronounced his name, but Arides, is that how you say it? Arides? How do you say his name? Arides. Arides. I do like that, that even though I know it's not obviously not romantic and it's not him and Ginny, I like there's a, this, this genuine connection between them, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely, um, I think they, I don't, like you said, it's not romantic, but I think even in, in these chapters that we read for, it becomes apparent that they, they under they understand each other, whereas right. the others haven't. They just see Aries as you know the brash American horror, and he's come in and he's taken over. Whereas Ginny's kind of she's she's starting to get him, as in get him with you know air quotes. Um, so I, it, I I do like that. I like their interactions. I like I it too because I mean before he's just I mean he he's just awful. But then you just you get to see like a more sympathetic side of him, right? Well, well you figure I, out why he was so awful. You know, turns out you know his ex-wife, who he obviously still cared for, is murdered. His daughter's unconscious in a hospital. You know, she's targeted by this coven who you know has a link to, and you know, yeah. Well, you also can't throw out the fact that he might just be an ass. <laughs> he could just be an ass. <laughs> I mean, there's a certain, I mean, yes, you can say, well, he had all these bad things happen to him and blah, 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 blah. But you can say that for pretty much anybody. Some people are just asses. His wife, you know, left for a reason. Right. That, that's the reason because he wasn't his. <laughs> I mean, honestly, honestly, when I was reading that character, the picture I had in my head was of, Hugh Laurie from House. Oh, I love <laughs> was, was the character. I mean, that's who I was picturing in my head because that's what it seemed like. That's perfect picture in my head. Yeah, I, I, mean, I didn't have that as soon as you said it. Yeah, it's perfect. 
That's him. Yeah. And in, in that case, you know what? He's, he's just an ass. He's, he's good <laughs> at his job. He might have reasons that would contribute to his assiness, but he's above and an beyond ass. it all, an ass. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, some people Mike, just do you want... know who we're talking about? I know who you're talking about this time, yes. Okay. <laughs> just checking. I, I agree with that one. That's a I perfect, guess... perfect example. <laughs> and why was I the well, only one that also thought in, like, this chapter and the next one, that he sort of associates Ginny with his wife and he associates himself with her. Like he sees a lot of himself in Harry and he sees a lot of his wife in Ginny and that's kind of one of his themes. I would agree with that. Why? Why do you see that? Part of it is their relationship. Obviously, you know, and, and from what we know about Arid's relationship with his, we know that there was a lot of complication, a lot of, a lot of stuff was going on there that we don't know about. And it could be that they had a similar dynamic to what Harry and Ginny had. But also it could just be, you know, it might be that Ginny's the first woman who's, you know, talked to him for more than five minutes. <laughs> she stood up to him where others probably yes. haven't. Yes. And part of that comes from the fact that, you know, first of all, she's had to deal with Harry, whom we know from canon is like the poster child for emo. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> He and, and she's had all these brothers always trying to tell her what to do and when to do and who to do it with. But so she's had to stand up for herself and she's going to do that. It doesn't matter who you are. And yeah, you're an ass, but I'm going to slap it right back in your face. So na 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 na. And I think that that's it's like an intriguing kind of thing. But but then you can also draw parallels between Aerids and Harry because, I mean, and I don't want to get too far ahead in the story, but, you know, you find out more and more about their characters and you can kind of see some parallels there. I'm done. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, I just asked because I didn't see that as I was reading it. So, but now that you, you say that, yeah, I, I can see that now. See, a big part of it, that the reason that pops into my head is when he's having that whole, I forget the chapter, but he's having that whole conversation with, uh, he's telling her about his wife, and it's almost like I'm thinking the way he's describing it. Like, it's like, in my mind, I'm, I'm going, I bet he has Harry and her in mind when he's giving her kind of the relationship advice, like, why did you, so why did you leave Harry? And then he launches into his own story, like, I don't know, comparison, like he's making the comparison, it's not just us. I really believe that one of my favorite lines is is in this chapter and it, uh, it is, um, I didn't think you were capable of compliments. I thought you had them physically removed along with your sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. I love that line. I, when was this written, by the way, out of curiosity? Uh, before Deathly. It started before Deathly, Deathly Hallows. Hallows. Yeah. I'm not sure when it... I was almost going to say the Ginny because... this reminds me more of pre-book five Ginny than it does of post-book five Ginny. Yes, that's why I like it. <laughs> but was I the only one that felt that way, that this Ginny really no. didn't remind me? No, 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 you know, no, no. But... I felt that way too. I said that's why I like it, because the Ginny in it is not Half-Blood Prince Ginny. And I like Half-Blood Prince Ginny. Well, you like Harry Ginny. Yeah, I do. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Minna are making like, those faces. <laughs> Ugly faces. I'm sorry, my dogs are barking right now, and they're going to keep barking for about another 30 seconds. So The dogs hate Harry Ginny. Yeah, they do. Hey, no, hey, actually, hey, hey. actually, they don't. They what ha- what's happening, and this is completely unrelated, but because they're going to keep barking. Um, our neighbors are putting in a new sewage tank, <laughs> and, and they have these big trucks. And I, I live on a gravel road, of course, and so these big trucks keep grumbling by, 
and they can hear the trucks driving up and down the road and it makes a crap load of noise and they bark like crazy. I thought you were moving. I am. I am moving. We are moving um, next month. Oh, good for you. And uh, yes, thank God we're getting out of this godforsaken town. And <laughs> and so everything, I, mean, I know everyone on the forum has been up to date on my little saga. We had the tornadoes back in February and then we had two blizzards and two floods. Right. And um, yesterday, <laughs> the kids that go to the high school here in town, I mean, they are literally going to be in school until the 4th of July because they've had to make up so much school. Because after the tornado, the tornado took out the main transmission line that brought power into our county. It didn't have power for a week. And then one of the, in one of our freak snowstorms, apparently the transmission line was literally on the side of a cliff over the river. And part of the line froze and fell into the river. And they had to wait for the ground to thaw. And they had to wait to get a helicopter, to fly a helicopter in to fix the transmission line. (laughs) So we had two week-long power outages. Plus, then after the – with the flooding – they, we had to close schools here um, and all this other stuff. So they've missed a ton of school. They missed school yesterday because somebody called in a bomb threat to the there's, – there's three schools in our county, and, and one of them has an enrollment of 200. One of them has an enrollment – this is K through 12 – 200. One of them has 300, and one of them has, I think, 1,000. So they called in a bomb threat, and then while the police were investigating the schools, they robbed the bank. <laughs> oh, no. A stupid robbery to make. But but no, the guy got away. They'll wow. catch him eventually, though. He's not going to get away with it. They, I mean, he he got away. Like nobody, and like the description that they have of this guy is it's he's between five ten and six four, <laughs> male, weighing between two hundred and three hundred pounds, and he was wearing a hat. <laughs> so last year there was this guy. Uh, I'm in New Hampshire, so you have to put it in this context. A guy tried to rob a bank in Manchester here. I think I think it was Manchester. Anyway, it was in New Hampshire. He walked into the bank with a shrubbery to his head to camouflage himself. <laughs> oh my I think God. I heard about that on the news. You probably did. In New York, we're yeah. smart enough. We don't rob the banks. We rob like the convenience stores instead. And and well, actually, apparently, the all of the banks here in town. Uh, have had classes on how, you know, this town would be such a great place to rob because we're freaking nowhere and there's like a national forest on one side of us. So, I mean, somebody could come in, rob the bank, and then go hide out in the forest for a couple of days. When I was when I was in high school, school was across the street from a bank and the bank was robbed. The man got away and they didn't know where he was, so they decided to put our school on lockdown in case the man got into the school. Oh, it probably wasn't a bad idea. So, like, all the teachers come out and they lock the doors, and we're in the hallway. So, like, intruder alert, intruder alert. So, we don't even know where it goes. We hide in, in this closet, and, like, this, like, how old were you? Oh, we were seniors. <laughs> okay. And we had to, we hid in the, like, a supply closet. And, like, held the door closed with all our might in hopes that the bank robber would not come and get us. 
it was the scariest moment of my life. Except then I found out that other people had been trapped in the library with a dog. So I think that nice. was preferable. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds better. Our, than- I, I think the one thing I remember about that when I was in high school was that the lockdown code, like we would have lockdown drills. The lockdown code was somebody would come over the PA system and say, teachers, the faculty social for this afternoon has been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> it was a private school. We had, um, like, we had the, like, people's like there was in, in the school in the area like the mayor's daughter went there we had some some other school somebody got ki- almost got kidnapped from so it was like this was serious business yeah so we had this lockdown drill but it was it was they announced what it was they were like intruder alert it sounded like something out of star trek it was like intruder alert intruder alert (laughs) (laughs) in that gps kind of voice yes intruder alert (laughs) that's fabulous okay so getting back to the story now that my my dogs have stopped barking um rena is like our one topic person tonight thank you rena (laughs) we're, we're so disorganized I have to be oh. off What sort of dogs are they? Um, well, I, I have I have three little dogs, and if you put all of them together, they weigh forty pounds. Um, <laughs> one of them is their names are Alex, Bailey, and Chester. And Alex is a long-haired Chihuahua and Papillon mix, and Bailey is a Dachshund and Shih Tzu mix, and Chester is Chihuahua and Beagle. Wow! Yes, they are all very funny looking. <laughs> And I love my dogs. I love them so much. They are my they are my children, but they are all goofy looking as I'll get out. <laughs> they, it was it was actually I think one of I think it's probably like episode seven of the podcast that we we there's actually a little uh, insertion from my dog who sat at my feet, and it seemed like every time I made a point, he would bark his agreement. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. So. <laughs> So I, I think one of the things that I really liked about um, this chapter is uh, there's the guy who is at L.A. who sees Jenny, and he's basically like, bleh, oh, yeah. bleh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It was, it was like, it was so, it was so lame. It was like, oh, geez, Healer Weasley, you're, you're. <laughs> Yeah, you look swell. <laughs> yeah, I was picturing the like the kid from The Simpsons. It's like always like working at the burger place, like the the, the random part time job teenage kid. Yeah, and see, and the thing is, the, the, the thing that I've always kind of thought, and and this is just my personal thing, I I've never thought that the word stunning would be used to describe Jenny Weasley. I yeah, don't no, know. she's the, the the appeal of Jenny is that she's an ordinary girl. Right. That's not true, though, in canon, is it? Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, everyone wants She's to go She's popular, but never describes her as stunningly beautiful or gorgeous or even, they. I don't even know if, they, if Joe ever described her as pretty. I think she had, yeah. even, even the Slytherin. I think it was more her personality that made her popular and attractive to people. What, Mike, did, what, Mike, what books did you read? The Slytherin <laughs> pretty? Yeah, Zabini <laughs> and Draco, both. Draco, does Ginny is pretty? That was the implication if you read That's half- fanfic. No, no. I have Half-Blood Prince right next to me because I needed to use it for a story. So I'm going to look it up right, right now. First, for, here's what happens. First, they say, oh, Blaze always thought she was good-looking, and he kind of like, oh, well, she's good-looking, but I never touched that. Is this on the train? 
Yeah. Remember, and, then, it's, and the implication of what's – right. And if you look at Pansy, if you read what Pansy's doing when she does this, and the way – the implication of how she's looking at Draco is that Draco has also thought this, the same thing as Blaze. And this is mm-hmm. why she's watching him so carefully. She's not looking at Blaze when she's talking. She's staring at Draco while she's saying, Blaze, well, you always said Ginny was so good looking. And then Draco makes like some dismissive comment and she kind of like nods her head in approval. And Yeah, moves. there's a difference though between good looking and stunningly gorgeous or, right. you know. Right, but clearly think- she has like five boyfriends and all these people think she's good. I mean, she's clearly a good looking Yeah, I girl. just thought it was no, always I, more I, her I, personality. Let me, let me read the words. They're talking about uh, but the, that Weasley girl. What's so special about her? They're talking about the people that Horace had invited into his room. A lot of boys like her, said Pansy, watching Malfoy out of the corner of her eye for his reaction. Even you think she's good-looking. Oh, crap. No, he says, no, but then, no, 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 no. Then he says, I wouldn't touch a filthy little blood traitor like her, whatever she looks like. So he doesn't think she's pretty. Whatever she looks like, meaning he thinks she's pretty, but he wouldn't touch her. And then the Draco point is, Draco just, no, I'm my that, point that's the connotation. Is- she, does, she says Blaze thinks she's pretty. Yeah, she's not going to let it go, Rena. The of it is that Draco's looking, excuse me, that looking at Draco, and, you know, the reason she's staring at Draco as she's saying this about Blaze is, is that, oh, Draco's the one that thinks this. That's the connotation between the lines to me. Okay, I think my she's just point first of action. the whole thing was that, not just Ginny, I've never really thought that any of the characters in the story were just fall out and knock down attractive, except for somebody like Fleur, who is repeatedly described in that sense. I mean, right. but I'm, I'm not one who ever would think, oh my God, I bet Draco Malfoy is such a hottie. I mean, that's just not, it did never occur to me that way. I mean, I thought more about, you know, if you think about the description of Harry, he's basically the runny little pips that, you know, is, you know, the little shrimpy kid with the bad hair and the glasses. And I mean, it never, so many people in fan fiction take these characters and make them into like super duper hotties and and i just i don't think that was ever really the intention and i don't know i i've always just found that amusing it's it's similar to you know when people describe the marauders when they're in high school as being really good looking guys i'm sorry if you look at especially if you're looking at like the guys who play them in the movies i don't think either of those is attractive and i, I <laughs> You know, Do you maybe it's just me. What? Do you ever see James in any of those movies? We James. see him in the flashback. Yeah. yeah, Snape's worst memory. In order of the oh, scene, right. you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. Little- yeah. But you know, but it's the same thing. They always, you know, if you read a lot of fan fiction, they've got Sirius as being this like sex god, and I just I don't think that's true. I think that's people wanting that to be true, or people yeah. who are... They romanticize it. Here are the yeah, Marauders they, and Lily from the movies. So, I mean, but I mean, but my, my, my point about this whole thing is that, you know, here, Jen, Jenny's supposed to be just stunning, like, knockout gorgeous, and I don't know, I've just always that, found that to be kind of funny, that people make these characters into beautiful people, and what really appealed to me about these characters is that they were average, and they were ordinary. You know, I mean, Hermione... Is a, is a bookworm with bad teeth. Yeah, and, right. <laughs> and, you know, and you have to take that into context. She was not a pretty girl. That's not how she was written in the books. She was never written as a pretty girl. And, you know, it doesn't matter if, if you think, oh, well, she dated a Quidditch star, so obviously she had to have been a looker. Well, not necessarily. Obviously, this guy could have gotten any girl that he wanted, and he picked someone who was completely the opposite of everything that he had seen before. So, I mean, I thought part of the thing that was the appeal of these characters is that they were average. They weren't, you right. know, good-looking. They weren't, 
you know, the biggest, brawniest guys. They didn't have, you know, they couldn't make their pecs dance or anything. <laughs> well, I guess here's my thinking on it. I, I agree with you, Tunix. I, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's an ordinary school. I think that you do see in fanfic a lot of the times these that sort of things exaggerated. And, but I also think that just like any other, like I think back to my ordinary high school, I mean, there's two things at play. I think first off, anyone now, like if I could go back in time and look at, you know, all the high school girls, I don't think I'd find a single one of them attractive because now they're all, you know, they're 14 and I'm 24. Uh, so, I mean, there is that factor, but every high school has the average-looking people and the good-looking people. And just, like, I think it's realistic to say that Hermione wasn't anything particularly special good-looking. Harry wasn't anything particularly specially good-looking. There, ha- there are people who are, like, the, you know, the hot, I mean, little quotes to my fingers, you know, the hot people or, you know, the hot items in the high school, just like any other regular high school. Maybe they're not supermodels, but to my mind, it was always clear that Ginny was one of the... Uh, you know, like the, the equivalent of like the cheerleader girl, only she's not blonde and she doesn't cheerlead. Yeah, right. see, I didn't, yeah, I just, I, I always took it, and I, I agree with Rena on this, like, Cho is Veronica. There you go. <laughs> I always, I just always thought it was more Ginny's personality that made her what she was, not the, and maybe she is a very good looking girl. We only have this one passing comment from Blaze or whoever it was there, um, you know, that, and then we have one passing comment from um, someone saying that I forget it was it was it or boyfriends Forrest who said something like he she reminded him of Lily in the way it was, she was just very popular with everyone. It was I think I I I got that impression. I mean I have that page open. I have I have the chapter on the train open now. Is it in there? I'm flipping through it trying to find. He's he's. Yeah, I don't I don't remember he's the context now. Ginny. Well, let me put it to you this way. He's saying it's because she's like clearly powerful witch. I saw this young girl perform the most marvelous bat boogie hex as I was passing her carriage. I mean, I didn't get that it was. Yeah, she stood out because of her abilities and. Right, she stood out to him because personality. Of her, because later on, when the Slytherins are talking, they're trying to. I got what I get from there is that Pansy or them they're trying to be like well that's only because she's pretty like they're trying to belittle her abilities but no it was right her abilities but she's well let me put it this way who would you say if not Ginny who is the best look I mean who is the best looking one of the girls who is the girl that every high school has girls who we don't have enough information to say that because it's it wasn't the the focus it wasn't the focus of Joe's. Right? It wasn't, but the only one we have anything like that. Like, there's no line about body. pretty part of the other girls. No. It was, it, it was Lavender. Was Padma, because it was Seamus or Dean or both said that he thought that Parvati and Padma were the best looking girls in their year. Oh, you're right. But, but Ginny's not in their year. She's the year before. Well, anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. <laughs> um, so we have all this lovely description out of the ball and all this stuff that's going on and then the angst and then all this stuff with, you know, Ginny finally confronts Harry. I saw you, Harry, that night. Harry, I saw. And that's the first time that we've really, you know, smacked head on into the, okay, this is where the problem comes from. It's a classic um, device, and I think more in movies, too, where she's saying one thing. And he thinks she's saying what she says means something else. And you see that again later in um, the last chapter that we read tonight, um, where it's they're still they're talking about two completely different things, and they think they're both in the same conversation. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
You know, and she's saying, I saw is, you. And he's yeah, like, that, that's what's he's thinking one thing where she's thinking she saw him and Tamsin. And he has no idea that that's what she means. I mean, I mean, that's like the, this is like the classic breakup story because it, I mean, the heart of their, their issues is a misunderstanding and for various reasons, right. And that misunderstanding continues to be a misunderstanding, which is keeping them apart. Right. And again, so, it goes yeah. back to everyone just got in a room and sat around a table and talked. Right. <laughs> the whole thing would be resolved. Right. But I mean, no. but but it's like someone said once, who would read the book Harry Potter at boring year at wizard school? Yeah. <laughs> Point taken. Yeah. Yeah. Jenny, I didn't realize you were talking about that. Yeah. What do you so, think you saw? That would be too ahead. easy for him to ask. Yeah. So we have this lovely confrontation. And then as the story is so good about it, it's not just, okay, here we're going to have a confrontation and then we're going to get better. It's here we're going to have a confrontation and here, bam, have some more drama. So we have this whole Simon. interaction with Simon. Yeah. And he shows Ian's up out of the dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Dun, dun. And that they must find Aiden, part of his, yeah. his cryptic message to Ginny, you must find Aiden. Or and then he dramatically dies. Yes. Okay. The one thing that I have to say that I kind of uh, take issue with. I'm a respiratory therapist. Um, if Simon had a crushed trachea, he wouldn't have been able to talk. <laughs> Sorry. Minor detail. <laughs> Minor detail. I mean, but it specifically says gurgling from his tra- crushed trachea, blood bubbled from his lips. If he had a crushed trachea, um, he would be not breathing. And if you can't breathe, you can't talk. But. That's just, hmm. like I said, coming from my, that is just my background point of view. And I, I do that with television shows now because I, I didn't, before I started with respiratory therapy and doing that kind of stuff, you know, I love watching like medical shows and, and like now ER just and all that kind of stuff. And now, yes, exactly. They jump out at me like big balloon letters, you know, neon sign. Hey, guess what? It sounded cool. So they threw it in here, but that's not what that disease is, you know? And you can, probably can't even enjoy it at that point because you know it's just, that's not plausible. Exactly. I just, I have to focus on the pretty and, The pretty you know, people. Yes. Like my mom is no fun to watch anything remotely because she's a nurse. So she's just not fun to watch any kind of show with, like, even with a dead body in it. Like, even, like, a murder mystery because, like, she'll have to come up with, like, a reason why it's wrong. I'm no fun to watch history movies with because all I do is I'm like, that's not accurate. That's not true. He never did that. Uh, have you met Mac? Yeah, why? Is he a history buff? Oh, yeah. Big time. I like Mac. But, yeah, that's all I do when I watch, like, like, I don't know, like, I watch Gladiator or something like that. And I'm just like, no, he didn't die here. No, he didn't really do that. <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm not even going to try you know. to watch. Was it The Last Samurai, that Tom Cruise movie? I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Mike, keeps yeah, but- like, Mike keeps, like, egging me on to try. I'm like, it's just going to, you like to see me get angry? <laughs> uh, well, I think it's a samurai movie. Why not? Let's see. Yes. Okay. So, do any of you guys, you can yell at me if I'm jumping too far ahead here. Mm-hmm. But do any of you guys have any theories on the significance of all these numbers that they're pulling out? I finished it so I can't have a theory. Or yeah. if you, you remember back in the day before you finished it, if you had a theory? Um, I kind of read it, really, I really read it like only one go because I couldn't, I couldn't really. See, I actually started with the story when it first came on. First As a work in progress. Uh, yeah. Yes. 
I remember the very first day that it got posted, and I remember reading it. And um, I, I don't know specifically if I ever had any theories about them, mostly because, and I mean, and this is completely awful, but at the time, I read a lot of work-in-progress stories. I usually don't read uh, those stories anymore because I get so frustrated with them because I, I want I want to know, and I, 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 I have very... I'm not good with the whole delayed gratification concept. So, I mean, I want it now. And, and, but I was reading several at the time. And honestly, you know, I have slept since then. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I was reading it also as a, as a work in progress. And I was, um, I belong to um, an email list of, um, actually Melinda Leo's we were all kind of reading together so when a new chapter would come out we'd all like comment on it but there are a few things I remember that really like we discussed in detail um amongst our group but I don't remember specifically if the num we talked about the numbers I think just in general you know thing you knew it was you know some kind of code we might you know we're you know bouncing theories you know because like you said, she was updating pretty regularly for a while. It was almost weekly, I think, Rena, right? So we had yeah. a week to digest a chapter and kind of pick it apart a bit, you know, and then, you know, the next week when the chapter would come out, we'd say, oh, so-and-so was right or, or not. Um, but at this point, I don't think you have enough information. Yeah, I guess at first I was thinking it might be, like I was thinking the same thing as Harry, it might turn out to be some sort of longitude latitude with uh, the location of the monk, like where he is now. But then it doesn't make any sense. Like, what's the significance of the prime numbers then is what I couldn't figure out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I went through all the – I mean, I didn't really – I don't know if I had any theories. I mean, like, part of my brain is like, oh, what is it? Oh, is it Fibonacci? Is it, you know, all this – all these, you know, all these number stuff. But then it's like I didn't really – but like I said, because I, I had it all there and I was reading it all in one go, I didn't really think about it too much. Yeah, I think when – we were reading it as a work in progress. Um, we, you know, we had that, like you said, you know, P.S. If you're reading it all in one go, you kind of read it and you say, oh, oh, oh. And then you go on to the next chapter, right. you know, because I mean, you, you just want to find you out. You don't really stop and think, oh, do I have any theories? Because it doesn't, it's, it doesn't matter. It's not relevant. Right. Because you, you you're, you're going to find out if you keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and, and you can't really tell what, where the big, you know, is this going to be a big fat red herring or. Yeah. Because there are some. There are definitely red herrings. Yes. This, this. So I think we've uh, we've we've done chapter fifteen to death. Yes, I think so. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on to uh, chapter sixteen. This is the chapter, by the way, where I thought the reason why I thought Susan had a crush on Jenny. Just for right. You also thought Draco had a crush on Harry. Hush. He did. Let's not go into that. Yes. Please <laughs> let's not. Please. Um. But yeah, where, where it goes, um, I'll read you the line. I'll show you what I was thinking. Okay, she told me if I made you drink it, you would be my friend. You would admire me, want to be with me. I put it in your tea, your juice, every week. I was terrified if I, mess, if I missed it, you'd hate me. And I guess part of it, I mean, part yeah. of it, obviously, it's the want to be with me. But also, it just seems so extreme for a friend, just like a friend. Like, I've never I had a friend. I think she's just crazy. I mean, I, I got yeah. the... I got the impression that she wanted to be her friend and that she was just crazy. Right. Yeah, and I've never wanted she, a friend that bad. Well, you know what, though? Okay, she's hiding her past. She knows where she comes from and that she will be totally ostracized. If anyone finds out she's from, I can't even pronounce it, the, the clan 
the Stark witch. Yeah. Um, So she knows, and I think the grandmother is holding that over her head saying, you know, she won't be your friend if she finds this out. Obviously, in reading these chapters, you find out that there's something about Ginny that is important to Madame Kuslova. And that's why she manipulates her granddaughter into being Ginny's friend and then administering this unknown potion because at this time it's still unknown we think it's to be Ginny's friend and i i think it, it's just i think the grandmother is playing on her fear that people will find her out that's that's i guess that's the way i took it because it just seemed to me like this is someone who's been an outcast her entire life because of and, who she is and she finally has a good and, friend Yes, and she just wants to, I think when she says, want to be with me, means more, would want to be my roommate, would want to be my friend, would want to hang out with me. Right. Yeah, I didn't take that any romance, you know. Then where does the jealousy, like, where does this blinding hate of Harry that we see her express, where does that come from? Then. From the grandmother and what she, the, the seeds she's planted already, it, because it, this isn't all happenstance. The whole thing is a plot. So, but if, you, if she's being blackmailed against her will, why is she adopting her grandmother's prejudices? If it sounds like she's not she, being blackmailed against her will, the grandmother's totally just manipulating her weaknesses. Well, right, is the way I took like, it. I mean, I, I agree. Yeah. Sounds like she wants. I actually, I almost. And the, the, the hatred of Harry is a seed planted by Madame Kuslova. And the fact that Ginny thinks she saw Harry betraying her. I'm sorry. I mean, women, you know, we're, we're a sisterhood. And if my best friend is, tells me her, you know, lover has betrayed her, yeah, I'm going to hate him with a passion. Let's yeah. be real. She overreacted more than that. I mean. No, no. not really. <laughs> well, like, but I guess you got to be. Hang on a second. It also could be that her irrational hatred of Harry comes from some kind of control that the grandmother has over her. You know, there's an element of this that we don't know what this poison is. Because, well, I mean, and and I don't know, to me, the word poison in this sense is kind of a weird word choice. Because when I think poison, I think she's trying to kill her. Well, I haven't read a head, so I can be totally up. But the way I, 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 this is just my guess, is I was thinking it was something to keep Ginny from being pregnant. Ever. That was her attempt. Well, because that's what she's so afraid of is Ginny. Haven't read ahead. I haven't read ahead. No. Am I? Is that a good guess? I mean, I know she's. I know from earlier chapters that what she fears so much is Harry and Ginny having this son because that's what she starts freaking out over. Well, I mean, and I'm not. And and, I mean, I'm not even talking about what the potion actually is. I'm just saying, calling it a poison. Connotation of it. Yes. The connotation is that poison, when I think poison, I don't think, oh, she's given her birth control pills or she's given her, I I don't know. I would call that a potion. Right. right. Versus a poison has that negative connotation to it that it's going to cause someone harm. It does. Well, you do want it to have a negative connotation because you want to, to say that it's basically, I mean, I don't know what exactly it's doing biologically to Jenny, but. I'm pretty sure it's negative. Right. You know, it's probably making her sterile, if I can say that, and not let it be a spoiler or something like that. So. Oh, my God. I'm so brilliant. You are brilliant. We're not um, saying nothing. <laughs> this is probably a tweet. But um, I just, I, I'm just trying to figure out what would be a good word for it because poison is, I bet, see, let me look in a dictionary and see what the dictionary definition of poison is. And if it says, it, if it doesn't say kill, then, then I am going to say that H. Whimsy is using it 
good and that it is poison. Oh, and for that matter, we don't know that uh, you don't know. The, the, knows the first definition of poison is a substance with an inherent property that tends to destroy life or impair health. So it does. It's impairing health. Right, and I mean, it's I'm not saying word is wrong. I'm just saying that it's it's a strange word choice because it has multiple meanings. Right, and and but especially but, since they don't know what it is yet. Yes. But my point about this whole thing is, okay, she's Susan's poisoning Jenny. Who's to say that the grandmother's not poisoning Susan? Right. You know, we don't know. And given, I mean, and, and honestly, this is the way my thought process was, given her reaction to all of the stuff that happened to Jenny, and given the way Susan is acting about this whole thing, I would tend to suspect that maybe all of this, maybe the crazy possessiveness, which maybe the you know, crazy hatred of Harry is because she's been poisoned, whether that's poisoned with words by the grandmother or poisoned with an actual chemical, you know, or substance. That's what I took from that. Or that she's poisoned the mind again in in the, you know, uh, a literal sense. Yeah. Or that she's just insanely jealous just because, I mean, like, the fact that she can be jealous of Harry doesn't necessarily mean that she wants in Jenny's pants. I mean, she could just, I mean, I think that's really a tendency with anybody. I mean, I know a lot of times when people start. You're my best friend and I don't want to share you with anybody. They They stop. I mean, people say all the time that, like, after they get married, they stop, like, hanging out with the friends they had before they get married. I mean, like. Or, like, yeah. she's her roommate. If she gets married or starts dating Harry seriously, she might move in with Harry and stop living with Susan. And, you know, I mean, all these things going through her head doesn't necessarily or, mean... you know, having played devil's advocate, I can go back to my old <laughs> argument about Arid. Sometimes an ass is just an ass. Sometimes a crazy <laughs> is just a crazy. Exactly. <laughs> she's the Jennifer Jason Lee of, you know, single white, you know, femaledom. <laughs> You do realize that there's going to be a considerable number of people that listen to the show that have no idea what single white female is. Yeah, I know. I have no I'm, idea. I'm totally aging myself again. I have no idea what Christ. I get to go back to the, the lounge, yeah. <laughs> commiserate oh, with the old people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. I guess I, I see uh, what you guys are saying. I just, I just saw this parallel between. I don't know, it just seemed to fit to my mind if she had a crush on Jimmy. But yeah, I no, I don't. I mean, honestly, it could be that. Poss- that could t- completely be a possibility. However, I live in my nice, pretty little world of sparkles and strap- snapdragons, where there's no such thing as slash. So, you know, <laughs> that would be slash. That I-, I could get all these definitions straight. And I don't think be spoiling anything to say. You know, while there may be some of those undertones, it's not relevant to the fact. Oh, yeah. I, could, I, mean, I didn't expect case. any point for them to... I mean, she's dead now anyway, so what does it matter? Yeah. So we've yes. established well, that, you know, some fix do go in that direction. Zombies! So. <laughs> so, we've established that something really nasty happens to Susan. Yeah, she so, was butchered. Yes, basically. Literally. And, yeah, and I think that you know, of course, you have the little scene where Mark contacts Harry and says there's been an attack. And, of course, Harry's first thing, thought is, OMG, Ginny. And so, you know, they have this, it's the, oh, my gosh, I abandoned her. And then and then now she's dead. And, oh, my God, because, yeah. Because so he's Harry the- Potter and he can right. save everyone. And Exactly. So I do like the that- reaction when. When he realizes it's not her, yeah. I, I did. I did really like that where he, you know, he just kind of puts his head up against the wall, like, 
okay. Now, you know, like it just seemed very real to me and very poignant. Yeah. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard of the movies in 15 minutes, but um, it's an online group. And uh, it's actually a book that's available over in the UK. It's written by a girl from Alabama, but she basically does these parodies of movies in 15 minutes. And I, I think one of the, if anyone's seen Cloverfield, yeah. have any of y'all seen it? I haven't seen it, no. Okay. Well, one of the big driving reasons that kids get into the situation they get into is because the main guy is like crazy in love with this girl named Beth. And throughout the parody that was written of this movie, it's basically, they're talking about, people start talking about, hey, let's get the hell out of here. And Rob strikes up a song in the key of Beth Minor. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of, I kind of, when I was reading through that, and I could kind of apply that to a lot of Harry Ginny situations, because it's almost like Harry has this tunnel vision Yeah. when it comes to Ginny, and it's like, oh my God, the rest of the world go to hell in a handbasket. If Ginny's okay, I'm good. Yeah. You know, here's, a, yeah. here's a dead woman who was brutally butchered, but it wasn't Ginny. But Ginny's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I think and that's I, kind of a very human I, thing, too, though. Yeah, I do. I, I just, I think... I think it's funny, and I think that some people kind of take it to an extreme, and this isn't as bad as some that I've dealt with, but that's just, you know, he has that, that Ginny vision, <laughs> and Ginny. I'm a hardcore Harry Ginny shipper person, and but I, I still, I think it's funny when people do that, you know, oh my gosh, there's Ginny, and then there's the rest of the world. It's like Harry and Ginny are the last two people left on the earth, but at least... It's Ginny. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and I love, I love that, you know, of course, anybody who watches CSI or Law and Order or any of those type shows, you know, would probably have the same reaction I did when we find out that uh, there's no juice left. <laughs> it's like, no, you what? never pour out the juice. He poured it out. What are you talking about? What kind of horror yeah. are you? Do you exactly. want CSI? And honestly, that is the reaction that I had when I saw that. I was like, oh my gosh, did you not read the manual? <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes you wonder like, if they have, like, is it that, whether that was, like, intentional to have him not do that because Aurors don't do the whole CSI thing. Ron and Harry and Tonks were doing a pretty old, big old CSI thing in the alley with dumpsters slash skip slash whatever the hell it's supposed to be. So I call stupid Harry on that one. Difference might also have to do with... Um, Harry didn't dump it out, though. Arids did. Or stupid Arids, whatever. Yeah. Stupid yeah, Harry. I see part, of, part of the difference possibly to be the difference between um, magical technology and regular technology. Like, I, I imagine that there's different sorts of normal evidence that you take as an aura and different sorts of normal... You know what I'm saying? A little bit? Yeah. You know, it was just highly convenient that the last of it out, you know, at that point, it's not even, you know, an uh, an issue of collecting the evidence. He destroyed the evidence before he knew it was evidence, which was, Mm -hmm. you know, just really convenient. We uh, end the chapter pretty much on that note when we are on a note, I should say, (laughs) that is found in the cuff of Simon's pants. Right. I have another question. Sorry for all these questions. We like questions. Why? The other thing I didn't quite get is once it comes out that uh, the monk is so important, not just because Harry just visited him and heard the message, but now that, you know, Mm -hmm. these dead couple talking about him, not to mention the Albus-Dumbledore connection, which is another whole question right there. But why, what, what is the reason for Harry keeping this secret from everyone else? Just, like, that's why he understands why is he keeping it secret from everyone else, that he knows who the monk is. Hmm, I gotta think back. It's been a while since I really read. Know. Do you know what I'm talking about, though? 
Well, it, it, part of it could be we've seen Arids playing his hand close to his chest, and now we have an example of Harry doing the same thing. Yeah. I guess, mm-hmm. but it seems like, you know, like, is there a reason why Harry has to keep this guy's existence such a secret when they're actually like, they're like, like anyone know who this guy is looking around? No, I never heard of him. No, I never heard of him. And Harry in this chair kind of thing. You know, do you think that's, is that this chapter, I think, where that happens? Which is chapter at? is this chapter? I kind of lost Well, I don't think anyone else knows about it. I I think he just ends up telling Ginny, but no one no. else is even questioning. No, no, no. There's a scene where it, it comes up in conversation where they're in one of those councils. And he's like, has anyone ever heard of this uh, Eden or whatever his name is guy? And everyone shakes their head except Harry, who stays silent and just sits there, not making anything, saying hmm. anything. And so I just wonder if he's there. And not to mention, he doesn't even mention, even before that, like earlier on, before our part, when he has the vision from Aiden, he keeps that secret too. From I, I think Rena's right. I think it's just an example of tit for tat as far as Harry's concerned. He knows that Mark isn't being giving him full disclosure, so he's going to keep information to himself and just do with it what he knows he can do with it And before he divulges the information to everyone else. That's my okay. take. Yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, I can buy it. That's the explanation I have anyway, besides just not making sense. Well, and, and we're going to learn more about it as we get into the right. next chapters. So, yeah, so. so we'll uh, jump on into Chapter 17 if there's nothing else about 16. No. Well, you know, one thing that bugs me is when I'm trying to find it and actually in the chapter, but working off my memory, where after they, they're there and they're all together and Mark says to Ginny, well, you know, you're going to have to tell them everything now, no matter how personal regarding her meeting the shop with Madame Kuslova and everything. Oh, and, you know, and so Ginny told them everything, including the fact that she's going to bear Harry's child. (laughs) And it's never addressed. Like, how, like, did Harry just sit there and go, oh, okay, so the woman said that Ginny's going to bear my child, but yet, you know, we haven't spoken in a year. (laughs) It's just totally not even, like, literally, that section ends and it goes on to the next scene. I'm like, "Eh? what? (laughs) I kind of got that, like, from the whole, like, relationship, or, like, um, from Harry's perspective, like, it seems like he, he's not, he's kind of, I feel like the emotions, and no, I mean, maybe this is just me, but I feel like the emotions are somewhat dulled. Well, and it, it could be one of those situations where, you know, and I know this happens to me, I've got so much going on, I'm processing all this information, here's something else that's come out of the blue, all right, you know what, I've just got to process that later. Yeah. And I think Harry just seemed like Harry, it, it just seemed like it ended up being a non-issue for I think how it, it seemed to that me. That kind of reminds me of Deathly Hallows a lot. And people would say something like, oh, the death of Remus was like a non-issue for Harry. But it because all this other stuff was going on, he had to process yeah. it later. I said, I think, so I think that's just what Harry does. You have to. And part of it is just human nature. You can't deal with this, you know, unending this stuff at one time. Yes. You, your mind picks and chooses. And in this case, that's something where, okay, this lady said, we're going to have a baby. First of all, she's a crazy gypsy. Second of all, she could be making it up. Third of all, I can't deal with this right now. There is that too, that you could have assumed from the beginning that they're making up because I mean, like here's Harry who doesn't, who, who thinks that he and Ginny are on the outs. He probably wouldn't think, oh, he's, I don't think Harry's one to think that, oh, because the gypsy made this prophecy that Ginny is going to have my baby that I don't have to like, that we're magically going to get together because Mm. it's going to happen. Well, and I mean, there's also the big point that getting together with someone is not exactly a prerequisite for having a child. (laughs) True. 
True enough. Yes, it's, it, it, it makes nice, prettier little boxes if you do it that way, but it just it doesn't happen that way all the time. So, so basically, Harry's like, at least I know I'm going to get some. <laughs> you know, and, and that could be it. You know, it, it could be that could be it. It could be like, oh, good, I'm going to get laid. Let's go save the world. <laughs> Isn't that kind of what ends up happening anyway? Basically, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't have a log inside uh, the teen, the, the underage version of Chapter 19, but that was my impression reading between the lines of what happened. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do it either because stupid. It won't take my password. Like my password is remembered by the computer, and I keep hitting login, and it's like your password. You are not a registered Phoenix Song person. <laughs> so now this is probably one of my favorite little things that happens here at the first of this chapter. We have the little. <laughs> <laughs> verbal bitch slap. Oh gosh. This is, this <laughs> verbal is bitch slapping, getting I should into... say. <laughs> yes. PS cannot speak nor pronounce French. So <laughs> I took French for eleven years. And and I have the the most French I pronunciation of the word beignet. So I mean <laughs> I, I took Bouton de la Mer Filet. Yeah, and so I did had no idea what was said until I got down to the author's notes at the end of the chapter. <laughs> but I knew oh my gosh, not I very didn't good. see that. Because <laughs> you don't read author's notes, I know. you said. See, you have to read them. Um, yeah, so, but I mean, you, you obviously get the impression that it's really not nice. What dang. Said. Yeah, yes. double dang. So it's like <laughs> we have this little, you know. Requisite, you know, cat fight. Exactly. It doesn't, you can almost, they don't ha- it doesn't have all of it. What does my zon mean? My no is, we're not, no. Isn't that right? Yeah. Or lacine. It looks so pretty when I actually read it. Blessing. Blessing. That might be a spell. Ah, okay. I, I'm there pretty I sure am, like, spell. assuming that it's, like, authentic French. <laughs> I want it, someone that actually read French now with a bad accent. It could be that Tamsin is actually just cursing, or is, is doing spells in French. In French. That's the impression I got with those okay. uh, random words. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, it's another ooh la la. It kind of reminded me of the, Rinna might remember this, but the infamous uh, um, cat fight on Dynasty between oh, yeah. Evans and Joan Collins. And, and yeah. I'm really going, oh yeah, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where's the fountain or the pool when you need it? Right? <laughs> see, that's all this, see, every cat fight needs water. <laughs> It needs a body of water. It needs a body of water to be a true cat fight. <laughs> yes. Because usually it's men writing it and they want to see Until somebody women. gets pushed into the pool. Yes. <laughs> so we have our, our little cat fight and, uh, and then we get to find out a little bit more information about Aiden from Harry. Finally. Yes. And this uh, is, yeah, this is where he confides in her. Yes. Right. Am I the only one who wants to hear the song? Yes, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear I can't it. pronounce. The tag. The tag. Tam. 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 Is this another thing that I would know to know how to pronounce if I read the author's notes? Wait, am I the only one who automatically skips poems and songs when they're in fix in italics? Oh, so do I. Yeah. <laughs> so I now I really want to see because I would just they have it. Meaning, they have meaning in this one. I only do it if it sounds like, if I can, if I think later from the context that it sounds meaning, like, um, in my, like in, a, in a song of Ice and Fire, like, I'll skip mm-hmm. the song until, like, I can see that the narrative, that it, it means something. Like, I'll always yeah. remember the bit where they're at the, where it's, like, Sansa and the, um, what's her face, the Queen of Thorns. Oh, yeah, and the bear. That, and the yeah, the bear. 
I read that one because it sounded or like the rings of Castamere. Uh-huh. But anyway, that's not important. But um so yeah, I can't say that I read them constantly. Yeah, I, I just I and I, I tend to skip skip over songs inside of stories as well. But this is a I mean, I, I just wanna hear it because it's like, wow, you hear the song and then you die. It's like the morning. <laughs> yeah, you watch the videotape and then you die. Uh, yeah. But so we hear about man who's on the angel. island. Right. And uh and to me, yeah. Aiden kind of just seems like a, a duplicate of Dumbledore. Well, they're you know, like, both part of the coven. Yeah, no, but what I mean is that character-wise, he doesn't yeah. see any different. He, he serves the same purpose that Dumbledore served in the canon. I don't know if I buy it. I, I buy that the author thinks that, but I don't buy that her Dumble- interpretation of Dumbledore is accurate to the canon Dumbledore. Because her Dumbledore seems almost like the really classic, cliche, like kind of super absent-minded, talking riddles Dumbledore, when, ra- rather than like the Dumbledore who like is a real person that we see in book seven and who really cares about Harry, even if he's slightly manipulative. Yeah, and keeping in mind this was pre-Deathly Hallows yeah. before. I mean, I can see why, where back. she's coming from. Well, no, but. I, I think it's like you can, you can say this is like pre-Deathly Hallows, but I also think the seeds are there in the earlier ones. So I agree. I think you can't just be like, oh, she has like a white card to not incorporate those elements. Because- no, no. I guess what I was just saying is that the character of Aiden, just it could have just as easily been Dumbledore. To me, they almost seem interchangeable. Only I don't know. I guess I mean I, I get. I'm, I'm not going so far as to say I think Aiden's a bad guy or is has a, like, a, like a bad agenda. But I get, compared to Dumbledore, like, Dumbledore, to me, was more clearly on Harry's side in the sense that he cared about Harry. And I haven't gotten that sense from Aiden yet, that he really, you know, like, I, I get that, okay, he's a good guy and he has his own agenda, but not that he has this connection with Harry, a real connection. I don't have that sense from the story. Yeah, we don't have enough information. I think he, he is, like Albus, in the sense that he is, like, position. <laughs> he's, like, the character that you have to go to because he knows stuff. Right, right. He is not really interchangeable with Albus. It's not like 100% the same, but I can see that it's like similar. Mm-hmm. It's like the same like two-word summary role in the story. So, we find out a little bit of backstory on Aiden. Yeah, and, and also just what Harry was doing over there. That was really interesting. Right. And then, of course, we get to see some Harry Ginny catfighting. <laughs> we'll say... <laughs> So, I don't know what to think about this Harry sometimes. Because sometimes, really, I just want to grab him by the ears. Sometimes (laughs) he's uh, even dense for Harry. Thank you. Sometimes it seems it's just like, you know, really? Really? Is he that? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I know what you mean. And then, it just, I don't know, it just seems a little overblown. Yeah, I think that happens a lot lot in fan fiction just because people will take like one aspect of the character's personality and just completely blow it out of proportion well but the character they usually do this specific thing to is ron they usually make ron a complete blubbering idiot and yeah in in this case they've done it to harry so yeah so we we get some we get a nice little fight and then we uh see the vague investigative process that goes on at the apartment. <laughs> they need Gil Grissom. They do. To come in and I'm sorry, I think do. Gil Grissom is totally hot anyway. Um, have you ever seen the movie To Live and Die in L.A.? I have. Oh. <laughs> Back in the day. Oh my god. 
excuse us for having an orgasm. We're having a moment <laughs> with the with the cowboy boots and the sunglasses. Yes. Oh. And, oh God. <laughs> anyway, um, so <laughs> we having a moment, <laughs> right? So we find out that Susan used the uh, feather. Or we were looking for the feather, and the feather is gone. The feather is now gone. And then uh, we find out, and here's a, a big, you know, huh. Jenny starts getting drugged right around the time you two finally got your head out of your asses. Offense. When things really started getting serious, wham, Jenny is dragged up here by, by Reigns, who serves her up this friendship juice for a bloody year. Hmm. So we find out, hmm, we know that the... Uh, Kuzlova wanted Ginny and Harry to be apart. And so now we find out, okay, here is, this is exactly, you know, we get this, they're figuring out the timeline here. So it was almost immediately after Harry and Ginny finally got together yes. and started getting serious that yes. Madame Kuzlova steps in to circumvent the relationship. And then we might have covered some when I was on my hiatus, but uh, there has to be a Weasley and a towel. So, Thank uh, God! <laughs> Although it's not the Weasley I'd prefer. Yes, it's, it's Ginny. This, we have to have a Weasley and a towel. <laughs> Sorry, we're, going, we're reminiscing on after the end days. <laughs> well, even before, I mean, even other stories. I mean, there was another story that we covered. There is, and I think that's why it became such a big deal during yes. after the end, because it was kind of a, a, a prominent <laughs> thing in the Weasley fix. and the towel, yeah. Well, there are a lot of Weasleys, so I guess the likelihood of catching a Weasley in a towel is... (laughs) I mean, look at it. I mean, if you do the math... Right. I just, you know, I I figure that they must spend a considerable amount of time hanging out in towels. So we find out they're they're putting the pieces together, and everybody's starting putting the pieces together, figuring out what's going on, and then we end the chapter on the big... (gasps) It's the girl! She's awake! And, uh... And I, I will admit that when I first read through this chapter, like the very first time I read it, and I read that line, the first thought in my head was, wait, who? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I completely this forgotten who they That's like, I have like, awful, that's like, at first I thought they meant that Susan was, I know, hey, wait, that's like, what I, she was alive again. A <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought, too. I mean, I was like, and, 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 first, and my thought is, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. If we're bringing zombies in, we have completely jumped the shark here. I am, I'm not reading any more of this. I, I have to tell the story because the other day, someone sent me this fic and they're like, this is the most brilliant thing ever. And like going on and on and on about how I had to read it. It was like such a serious, like sad story. Sad. Oh, I know you're going. One shot. Dude, how do you know? I didn't tell you. And um, I ruined it by reading one word wrong. <laughs> Sometimes that's all it takes. <laughs> Ginny fainted was what it said. <laughs> I thought and it said Ginny farted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 totally oh, ruined okay. the moment for me. Oh yeah. Okay. That would do it. Yes. So, so we close chapter seventeen on that very dramatic little note, and we jump into chapter eighteen, and yeah. Arids is still being an S. 
Yes. And this because... is the chapter where Harry withholds pertinent, important information, I think. Okay, honestly, I have to say this. You sound like Ryan with a really bad head cold. <laughs> no, okay. You have to understand that I think the only other guy I've ever even – well, I think Mac guest on a, guested on a couple of the podcasts at the very beginning. And then, oh, God, who was the other one that was the other guest host, the other guy? Um, um, Richard? Mac, no, well, Richard Mac, can come on later. Um, Mac. No, the guy he was in the he was Phil. in the Philippines. Phil, 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 Phil. Phil. Yes. Phil. Our friend Phil. Those were those were the only two guys that I've ever worked with besides Ryan. And I guess I don't know. Your voice just sounds like Ryan's, but like Ryan with a really head because your your <laughs> timber is a little lower. Okay. Anyway, so the head cold. So, well, at the very beginning, people used to get Jen and I mixed up a lot. Oh, I remember. I remember I got you and Jen mixed up. And, oh, well, so and it, that it was all. very funny because whenever we would disagree on things, we had some people thinking that Jen was talking to herself. <laughs> <laughs> Which could and totally then, happen. <laughs> right? So, okay. So, we... Okay, so- we have the little girl. She's uh, away. Interviewing this poor little girl. They're yes. bombarding her with questions, and she keeps giving these furtive glances to Arids and Harry because all of a sudden now he's acting like an orb because yes. now he's gotten over his brain cramp, apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he starts to pick up on, hmm, she keeps looking over there at him. Why is that? Yeah. And um, she. For see, this is why I thought she was an older child, like a actually that's why ten I to thirteen years younger, old. Because she just because when she starts talking about you know what happened, it just sounded very grown upish to me. That's so weird because I thought she sounded really young because she seemed to me like she was being like were some dialogue. Oh, just the, the the amount of information she remembers and the way she related it. I just, just I thought she sounded young because she's she doesn't mommy like. Mommy, we left the house one night, broke into our home. It all happened so fast. People were yelling downstairs. I mean, see, that just sounds like a little kid to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, what is, there was something in that that just, yeah, it was probably just the way I read it. Because mm-hmm. is she, did I, hang on. It just, it, it, the way she remembers names and, you know, the entire conversations and where they were and what they were doing. I mean, I've had eight-year-old children, and you ask them questions like, I don't know. I don't remember. Well, maybe. It just seems like a lot there, of details. There is, there is also in fix for children to be represented not exactly correctly. And it's also possible that we know, we know that she keeps looking over at Arids. It's possible that he's already coached her on all this stuff. Good point. Mm-hmm. That, that before be. any of this happened, I mean, she knows who he is, so it's possible that before any of this even happened, he went to her and said, okay, here's what is going to happen. If this happens, then this is what you need to do. Right. So what in her their interview of her uh, comes out as being very important? They find out... Um, the teddy bear. The teddy bear. Yes. And its name is right. Aiden. Named dun, after dun, the person who gave it to her. Dun, 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 dun. Yep. And, and so, they, they find the bear, uh, or they had the bear, rather, and they performed minor surgery on it. And Harry's keen werewolf senses are telling him, make some stinky bear. 
Yeah. Um, That just seemed a little dramatic to me. I don't know. Yeah. And so now we have two codes. We're (laughs) kicking ass and taking names, man. And I have to say, you know, I, I love reading author notes sometimes when they're you know, well done. But I have to say in, in the beta notes of this particular chapter, it says, well, smack my ass and call me Judy. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm noticing that we have another large estrogen tint. Have we lost our male com- uh, counterpart? I'm still here. I'm just listening. In. Okay. <laughs> I just have the thing to add to the conversation. I'm just listening. And like I said, I'm a dinosaur when it comes to the, this podcast because I was old school. But um, when we very first started out, we all bought the same headset. Ryan found a headset online, and it was a good deal, so we all bought the same one. And we all made the mistake at a different point of pushing the mute button and not realizing it. (laughs) (laughs) You were all muted. (laughs) Yeah. So, But, of course, it's at different points in the conversation. You know, somebody would, you know, move or accidentally pushed the mute button and I, I mean I can distinctly remember having these making huge points and arguing with people and then having to go back and repeat it all because I was on mute insert the call on mute nice and I have been like I have had Ryan hang up on me and call me back because he thought my thing was not working because I was on mute. That's normal for us. Yes. It's all normal. I have my, my quick little story about the very first time that we recorded the podcast it was uh, Ryan and me, and uh, we had a girl named Kim that was with us for the first episode. And um, we we did our recording, and Ryan was doing the editing the next day. And uh, all through the recording, Ryan and I were chatting back and forth on AIM. And he was he sent me part of the recording. And he was like. I hear this noise, and I can't figure out what it is. And so I sent it back, and I listened to it. It was the little whooshing noise that I chat makes on the Mac. Like, they make this little whooshing noise whenever you send a message. Yeah. Yeah. It was the little whooshing noise (laughs) from us talking back and forth that got reported on the podcast. And so, but it took us forever to figure out what it was. Oh, God. Back in the day. So, we are... uh, we done with chapter 18? Yeah, Ginny sends off her owl to Madame Kuslova. Um, And then they're all, yeah, that's when they discover the the teddy bear and the name and figure out that that's where the code is hidden. All right, so the infamous chapter 19. Um, So P.S. and Mike, you're reading the PG version, is that? Phoenix song hates me. Okay. Okay. Um, I remember... Um, I was reading this as a work in progress, and we were uh, following it on a group, an email group of um, Melinda's, and we were reading several fics, and this was one of them. And I remember when this chapter came out, there was a very strong reaction to it. Yeah. And, and it was... Um, you know, we were just talking on the list about it, saying, you know, everyone's different reactions. At first, I what the first I have to admit, the first time I read this chapter, I didn't like it. The end, I thought was I know what she was going for. I think she was going for the um, raw sexual chemistry thing and the, sometimes the violence that can come out of that. Yeah. But the first time I read it, I have to say, it really just struck me the wrong way. I hadn't read it again, and it didn't strike me the same way today, and I don't know why. Maybe it's repeated reading, because I read the adult version the first time I read it, because when I read that version, I remembered my password. And... 
this afternoon. I forgot my password, so I couldn't read that version. So I've only read the sex version once. And okay. I definitely remember not liking it. And it was not the kind of dislike that I always get when I read stories like this because I don't like the ship. This was like a either way, I don't like it. Like, I wouldn't like it if it was Harry and Luna, you know? Yeah, I think it crossed the line at some point of being sexy and it turned into I kind of have something animal I, I, Harry, oh yeah a- a- animal is exactly the right way to describe it speaking but personally I didn't get now, sex obviously because I was reading the PG part but I actually had to read it twice because I was confused because obviously there's huge chunks crossed, crossed out but I read it and I went wait what is Harry raped her what and I had to kind of like go back and read that's it that's what I first thought and see I never got that for a second it never that never even crossed my mind I just thought, you know what, this is one of those situations where you've got the whole thin line between screaming at each other and jumping somebody's bones. Because Lord knows I've been there, and Lord knows it happens very similar to what was written down on this paper right here. (laughs) And, I mean, that was what was going through my mind when, I I mean, I actually thought they did a great job of capturing that, you know, you're screaming at someone, and you've got all this passion because you're so angry, and then at the same time, you've got all this passion for that person, and then it just, something switches, and you're just attacking someone. And it's not about romance. It's not about, this is about pure need-driven, lusty, you know, insanity. And I thought that it was captured perfectly. I really, really liked it. And I think, and to this day, I still think that that whole section of it is just absolutely sexy as hell. I mean, I... The thing is, I read it again today, Mm -hmm. and that was my reaction today. Yeah. It it was like, I don't smoke, and I'm like, damn, I need a cigarette. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I can very distinctly remember when I read this for the first time, I was thinking, sweet Jesus, (laughs) you know, I want this to happen to me. You know, I mean, and and who knows, maybe I'm just weird like that. But I mean, to me, their interaction was not negative. I didn't have a negative connotation. I have no explanation as to why um, the first time that's how, you know, I read it. And it wasn't just me because it was, uh, I think the majority of us who were discussing it at the time all felt the same way. I mean, there were uh, people obviously who didn't, but I want to say my recollection and people on Melinda's list can correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, because I know there were some people who didn't feel that way. Um, But again, like I said, I have no explanation as to why today I didn't have that reaction. And now it's been a couple of well, at least a year. I mean, did she finish this before Deathly Hallows came out? I think she did. I think it's, yeah. I, I, I don't I'm, honestly I'm remember. Advised, but sorry, I blinked out there for a second trying to think of the timeline. But I don't know if it's one of those things that it's the mood of the time or uh, maybe at, because we were all reading it as a work in pros- progress at the time. You know, you're expecting one thing and maybe it, at the time it didn't live up to what we expected. That could be too. I don't know. Let's back up a little bit and talk about the rest of the chapter. And then if there's anything else to say about the sex part, we'll get to that at the end of the chapter. You're really keeping us on page. Good for you. Yeah. I know. I'm cracking that whip. Anyway, (laughs) so we... They have to decide what they're going to do with Frances. um, Because now they realize that she's in more danger than they thought. Yeah. And um, they're, they they decide to send her to Hogwarts. And they have because to... That's, that's, that's what you do in Harry Potter. When you want to keep something safe, you send it to Hogwarts. Because <laughs> matter no safer place. There, there, are, there are no other places but Hogwarts. <laughs> Apparently not. And it doesn't really matter that throughout the entire course of canon, 
bad things actually <laughs> happen at Hogwarts. It, that, that you, not you try to hide something at Hogwarts, it, it, it's, it's supposedly like the safest on, place in the wizarding world, and everyone always finds everything that's hidden there. I know. When, like, you get, like, terrible people hiding in Hogwarts. I mean, I think if Hogwarts is the safest place, I don't <laughs> want to be a wizard. <laughs> But this is when, um, so Ginny gets called into, um, and I keep wanting to say Viridian. <laughs> I kept saying Viridian because, sorry, sorry, Viridian. Viridian. <laughs> yes. Um, into his office with Arids, and they're hearing a lot of yelling and screaming on the other side. And they're, of course, hearing bits and pieces of the um, heated discussion. And Harry's um, imagining all kinds of things. Yeah. And uh, I think it's, you know, we're finally starting to crack all this stuff together. You know, we've been watching these characters literally. I mean, it's like watching a freaking game of, uh, what is it, pinball? Yeah. It's it's like a puzzle. And you're starting to get all the, the straight border pieces all put together. And you're now starting to fill in just little bits of coming into the center the uh, to finish the puzzle. Yeah, so we're we're getting to that point now. So and then and we have the uh, the promise that we're we're going to find everything out tonight. Tonight, <laughs> you know, and you can almost tonight. you can you can yeah you can hear the <laughs> in the background, you know. So we're going to find everything else tonight, and and you know, but of course we can't stop that here. We have to have you know immediately after that we have to have an argument. So we have this lovely argument between Jenny and Mark. And I mean, I really love their dynamic. I love the fact that they're constantly just at each other's throats, but they know they have to work together. I, I mean, I enjoy that, their clash. And then, of course, you know, Harry's going to find everything out tonight, and she's going to find anything else tomorrow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> We have the two different bases. And then, of course, we have to have an invasion by everyone's favorite press. Has Harry Potter's yeah. lost love found her chosen, her one? chosen one? And it's like, yes, let's, yay. I love totally. it. I think it's great. Can you, you can't, can you write a Harry Potter story without any kind of media, any kind of, like, newspaper? No, of course you can't. It's like, yeah. it's like, there are requirements for a fic, and they include someone in a town, and they include, or there's not one in this, a printed out newspaper article. <laughs> there must be a newspaper article. Yeah. You gotta make a list. Requirements for fics? Yeah. I think we should. Somebody get on that on the phone right now. Go out there and make a list of requirements for fix. And we know that one of them is that there has to be a Weasley and a towel. Weasley and a towel. And, and ten a, house a, a points. Deuce, yes, ten house points to whoever compiles the list of, of the, the things that are required for fix. And, and Weasley and a towel is one of them, and a newspaper article is another. So, so An inflammatory newspaper yes, article. inflammatory newspaper <laughs> article. It's extra, extra points if Hermione reads it out loud. <laughs> exactly. So now we're going to figure out what the numbers mean. Yes, they they start piecing together the puzzle of the two um, codes that they have. Um, they're puzzling through what the different possibilities are. And Mike, you know, you you called the longitude latitude thing, right? Yeah, that's what I thought at first, but then I yeah. was wrong. They say it's wrong, don't they? Yeah, well, they, they end up taking the numbers and dividing them by 13 and 
that's how they do end up with the the map lines, right? Because then they may end up making a list of all the islands that could be on that line. Yes. Right. And then it um, which seems like an awful lot of islands for one map line. Oops. I don't know. There are yeah. an awful lot of islands. <laughs> uh, what's yeah, that? No, I, it, it just it struck me as, you I know, being there as are an planet, awful lot of islands in the world. Yeah. Well, but being as the planet is like 70% water, you would assume that a majority of these lines would be, I don't know, Water? Maybe you that's think. just me. Well, yeah, they are but, a majority of it water. Well, yes, because it's there islands and islands and water. Islands. And yes, but yes. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so they decide, okay, here's what we're going to do. And we make a plan because we have to have a plan. Yeah, so uh, it, I forget who I goes off. To, yeah. Maybe it's just covered. Sorry for the random questions. But where does it not seem like a couple of times like you're talking about them making a plan? This pops to my head. Where is like everyone else, like like Moody or Kingsley or uh, or even you know, this is written before Deathly Hallows. What is Snape up to? Unless I missed that, or you know, like where are all the other people from Harry Potter just seem to be missing from this? Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're on holiday. They're just not in the story. When you think about it, this really only happens over the course of a couple days. Yeah. Yeah. And they're kind of so, isolated. I mean, if you ha- if you were going to throw all these extra people into it, then it would be like it would also it would it would seem wrong too because then it's like everybody descends upon this random town. I guess it's more like I wonder why they don't ever consider calling when they say they call backup. They never really call backup besides the four of them. You know what I mean? Well, but think of it too. They're uh, they're up in. They're in Scotland in whatever little town, and they're concentrating on this one case. So, of course, all the British aurors aren't going to be coming up there. They've, they, I kind of always thought of it as, as they're the task force. You know, they're the ones who are working this this case. You know, and you know, you got the. It, I mean, the fact that you have an American auror thrown into the mix kind of just mixes it up. Um, so that you know it's going to be a different cast of characters pretty much from the beginning. Kind of, yeah. you know, took the universe and changed it a little bit for this particular deck. I said, I was wondering if it was just like the author's choice if there was like a particular reason I was missing why there's no one else. No, I think it's because they're isolated up in this little town up in Scotland and it's a specific instance that they're investigating. And, you know, the author doesn't ever address, you know, you know Snape or, I mean, they briefly go to Hogwarts. Um, and I think, and I haven't read ahead, reread the, the upcoming chapters, but I think, you know, there's McGonagall or whatever at Hogwarts, but I, I don't think she gets into what happened at Hallows, you know, what happened after, you know, defeat, you know, that's irrelevant. This is taking place later. Um, and it's an isolated situation. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, we make our plan and we decide what's going to happen and, and then we get to the, to the sexy part. The sexy yeah. part. Yes, of course. Harry's well, teaching her the spell. to Cake Bread Cauldron Company. <laughs> Is that a riot or what? Harry Potter's at our convention. Yes. Oh. Exciting. So, oh, good. Poor Harry. So, and, and we even, yeah, he, yeah, he has to be all famous all the time. And, uh, but I think, you know, and, and that's one of the things I know that in, one of the stories that I wrote, Harry's was a uh, like basically a Quidditch manager, basically. Good for you. And well, my rationale for making him a Quidditch manager was that he got to be with you know every day when he went to work, he got to work with people who were just as famous as he was. So he wasn't always the center of attention. 
If he went out with a bunch of people from the Quidditch League, they weren't all just staring at him because it was Harry Potter. It was, you know, yeah, Harry Potter was there, but you also have, you know, Quidditch stars. So, you know, that's that was my rationale for giving him that career. And, you know, but that was for this situation, you know, so that you wouldn't have all these, hey, you're Harry Potter. Come to a cauldron convention. We'd love to have you, you know. But, you know. So we have this interaction, and we've, we've talked a little bit about the sexy part, but one thing that they have here is we get to see Denny is only asking him straight up about, were you with Tamsin? And Harry's like, well, yeah. And Ginny <laughs> goes bat crap crazy at that point and because she thinks that he's admitting to having slept with her, and he's saying, wait a minute, whoa, 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 hold your horses. I had a drink with her, and, and now I'm, I'm a bastard? Yeah, because at this point, Harry still doesn't know that he, that Ginny thinks she saw him in bed with her. Yeah. He still has no idea. And, yeah, and so we have this, again, you know, but, and and, and again, yet again, here, they could have talked this out. They could have had a nice, lovely conversation over tea and crumpets, but instead... The way she asks the question and the answer he gives, and sets her off and but you know what I find about the most humorous about this thing is Ron and Tonks storm in on them because obviously they're they're causing a commotion in in the inn and people are are coming to find out what's going on and Ron and Tonks kind of barge into their room and spray water on them okay so there's our water and (laughs) but no one has any comment on the fact that they just caught Harry and Jimmy basically yeah, they comment in the act. Trash say is, you're trashing the room. You're causing you're you're drawing attention to yourselves. Yeah. They literally uh, run oh. in shock. Witness threatening. You know, it's like, um, that's it's it's you know, it's it's going back to what we said about how Harry never acknowledged that they said Jenny was gonna have his baby. He just can't process that part of it right now. Locked no in on his sister, it. you know, it coitus. And <laughs> all these like is, you've you made a mess. Yeah. You've made a mess. You've trashed the room. Destroying a room? Destroying potential evidence, for that matter? Witness threatening? Have you lost your mind? Jenny, yeah. you come with me this instant like she's 12 years old. Oh, yeah. You know, or, you know, no, nothing to the fact that why are you, you two... Or the fact that, you know, it's like you'd think they'd open the door and see what's going on. Oops, sorry. And close the door again, you know. <laughs> or Ron flips out for that matter. Yeah, this is not fan fiction Ron, who at the end he just, you know, makes a very casual comment. Um, so I guess you couldn't just talk it out. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Another thing for the list, actually, would be Ron flipping out over. That's one of my favorites. That's another one. So I think that would bring us to the end of Chapter 19. Wow, that was a... A very streamlined episode. Yeah, that's the most streamlined podcast I've ever been on. You know, I mean, and and honestly, that's I I know that's my fault for cracking the whip on everybody. I I don't like. I mean, like I said, it's been a long time since I've done recording, but I think I according to my uh, thing, we're at what is it, two hours and twenty minutes right now that we were recording. So, so yes, mad that we didn't hit the three hour mark. You're a long cast. What the hey. Yeah, I I don't people know. People expect this of us. People people expect three hour, four hour episodes. Really? There's only four of us. 
That's insane. Yeah. Man, when we started, we could do one in like an hour and a half. Yeah. And then we get off track and then, you know, we have to hear how everyone's, you know, week was. And, and that's all fun. It's all yeah. fun. We would love to hear from any listeners about what they think of this week's episode or these particular chapters for next week, I believe. Is it what? 20 through 25? The rest. Isn't it? The rest of it. Yeah. Everything so else. Which would yes. be 20 through epilogue. Yes. And all Mike's burning questions will be answered. Yes. Yes, yes. And uh, Spectacular conclusion to The Coven of Echoes by H. Whimsy. Yes. You're here. Very exciting. And then after that, get into, I believe, uh, Living with Danger. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it. It was was great to have Renna back. Yay, me. Tota. I know, it, it, and Rena comes back and she's podcasting with all the peons, so it puts a nice little spin on things this week. Job without Brian, Jen, and Chi. Who needs those three? <laughs> there you go. Yes, we do. We can't deny it. So, Bye. good night, everyone. Good night. Just be glad the fourth track was broke that day Cause you grabbed a guitar and I heard you say That the top of the pops better get ready For the new hit single from the Weasler Goes from middle to I love you And now, a word from our peons Why am I last? Because you're the last one to answer the phone. Regardless of your reasons, you're the last one. Next time, get a get a Bluetooth headset. Oh, my goodness. I thought P.S. was the one with grumpy pants on. No kidding. You're wearing the biggest grumpy pants of all. What's up your nose? <laughs> well, I taught Richard about astrology today. All right. Oh, my God. I have an astrology story. Yesterday, when I bought my new mic, my horoscope said, uh, you will make a new purchase that will benefit your family. And you all are my family. And I made a new purchase that would benefit it. And you can hear me. I hey, sound like that's a real right. person. Awesome. You're so sweet. That's like astrology in real life. No, but Richard learned that he was a Capricorn. Didn't you know we're Capricorns, Richard? I already knew I was a Capricorn. I just didn't know any significance to anything else. Oh, uh, that you actually behave like one. So what purchases did you guys make yesterday? Because I'm a Capricorn. Um, I went to the supermarket and I bought junk food and I have given it to my children so that they will be quiet while I record. And that's benefiting See, the family. astrology's true. Richard, what about you? Yesterday, um, I don't know. I think I bought like a box of uh, blueberry pop tarts. How does that benefit the family? Because <laughs> blueberry pop tarts are awesome. Yeah, I like the ice cream sundae pop tarts. That's just disgusting. P.S. They're good. <sighs> I can only get. I don't even know if I can get pop tarts anymore. And you could get strawberry ones. I don't think you can get them anymore. You can't get the cherry ones. No, never got cherry ones. Oh, cherry and brown sugar cinnamon. Mmm, my favorite. Yeah, I'm making me hungry. I'm But see, this is how it benefits the family because now everybody knows Keza has no Pop-Tarts. And (laughs) then the next time they send her a box, they'll send her Pop-Tarts. Astrology is real. I don't know if (laughs) Pop-Tarts will make it through customs. Why not? Oh. That was a joke. Oh. (laughs) That's all right. I'll just stay here and hug my mat because all my food is gone. No, I still have ranch dressing left. You better have ranch dressing.
I still have ranch dressing, big red, and um, chalk chips left. Are we are we finally ready to go? Yep, start it. Okay, Richard, go. I'm trying. <laughs> See, now you can't just crack the whip like that if you get moving. <laughs> no grumbling. I refuse to acquiesce. Um, okay. Go eat a pop tart made of chia. Put some butter on it. Leave me alone. Um, you did it. You just grumbled. I just giggled. It's a difference. There, you did it. Now I'm about to grumble. You did it. We made you do it. Alright, okay, start. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Peoncast. I am Richard One. I'm Dan Two. I'm Keza. P.S. Okay, Captain. Capitan. Yes, and we are discussing this week Mining the Baby by Kay Schneier. The first thing that I particularly liked, and this is, a, I don't know if anybody else noted it, but um, Andromeda was talking when she had Kingsley leave her place at the very beginning. Wow. Normally, for one death, they send an oar. For two deaths, they send a department head. For three, they send the Minister of Magic. For a while, she sort of almost forgot about Ted while she was thinking about Tonks. I don't know. It kind of struck me. Like, could somebody be so grief-stricken over some people, but sort of just put to the back of their mind? somebody else like their husband well, but ted had been gone for a while but he had gone into hiding and so i think that it's easy to live in denial of something like that because ted was a few weeks prior to this and if your child had just died and you'd just been told by the minister i can sort of understand how that would yeah she's had time to deal with ted yeah i think timing would have a lot to do with it I think it was the timing and the fact that Ted was gone and hiding. And so I think that it's easy to not have yeah. as much closure or have it be as final for her, for her to think. Yeah, like he's still right. in hiding. She still sort of subconsciously thinks he's still right. on the she, run. That she's living yeah. in denial of it. And that's dead. why she immediately wished that he was there to comfort her. Because I think that she was kind of just living that not accepting idea of he was just off somewhere. He wasn't gone. It was easier to accept that way. Mm-hmm. This first whole second is incredibly sad to me because right after that part, she talks about when she was biting down on her hand or whatever, she was trying to use it to make herself forget and concentrate on the pain. She thought about Remus and how he would bite a gnaw on himself and ask if chewed on himself to help him forget or because, you know, it wasn't helping her because it was still, it just made it worse. So all I can say is it's poor Andromeda because this is just awful. I would be in a very miserable point right now if I was in her place. Yeah, because then right after that she wonders how long he would cry she did nothing at all and wonders how long it would take them to find her and find him if she set out to join Ted. So that's pretty much big feelings that she's got there, but I don't think you can fault her for them. She can't ignore Teddy. I don't think she seriously thinks about doing herself in. One of the things, I think the themes that's through the books is um, the, the love that mothers show. If you look at the main characters, Harry, well, I think we all know what Lily did, and then you look at his foil, which is Malfoy, and what his mother ultimately does for him, and then Harry's mm, love Molly. interest is Ginny and what Molly does not I mean for Ginny obviously that's really stands out but she does do it for all her kids and I think that there's a real statement in there about about mothers when I when I finished reading Deathly Hallows that's what I um sort of really that's the first theme that I really really picked out that 
the way that mothers love their kids. Then she goes to Teddy and says, she's gone. I'm sorry. I should have stopped her. I'm so sorry. That really got me because she's apologizing to the baby. She didn't stop Tom mm. from going. That was so awful. she's got so many emotions. Like she's feeling the murderous sister. She wants to give her a piece of her mind. She wants to forget. She wants to remember. She wants to die herself. She knows she can't ignore Teddy. She feels guilty for letting Tonks go. You know, there's so many emotions in that. Like one quite short piece. Yeah. The thing that got me was where she thinks that Harry wants to take Teddy away from her. Oh, yeah. I'm not particularly emotionally invested in Andromeda, but that really got to me because this is the only thing that she has left of her daughter. This is the only thing she has left of her husband in a way. You know, I mean, this is the only only family member she has left in this kid who's not even related to her and who is actually connected by her son-in-law wants to take the baby away from her and it just well i don't know that he really wanted to take the baby i think he just but it's just like this gut reaction that she has when she thinks yeah she had a little knee jerk right i don't think harry realized that when he said that how it would come across to her his his words are i'm he's He's talking about serious offer to let him live i'm more than happy to make the same offer to teddy because he's just thinking that's the only example he has of being a godfather that's the only thing serious could really ever do for him so you know he's trying to be a godfather without a real role model of one and he does i don't think realize this impact that it has on andromeda but i think that's a perfectly normal gut reaction for her to have which also says something profoundly sad about Harry too because he has just such little concept about families and how they work that he didn't realize that this might happen. It might affect her like that. Yeah, that's very true too. Yeah, like he just doesn't realize that because for Harry, who's never had, I mean, he's never really lived with family. You can't count the dues. So he probably wouldn't get that link straight away. Yeah. I think he would understand it eventually because he was just probably, I mean, he would have been in grieving and stuff as well. What did you guys think about the first appearance of the Malfoys? I couldn't believe that they had the audacity to show up. My favorite part was when Andromeda said to Narcissa, she said, I had a sister that looked like you, but she was about 25 years younger. She might have died. And I was just like, wow. One of us did anyway. Mm. I just sort of... Least of all, Lucius. Well, yeah. then oh. that, and then Narcissa actually going up to her and, and moaning about Bella being dead. Hey, can I clarify something that's in my brain? Bellatrix killed Tonks, didn't she? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. I was looking at it because she says, Sissy says Bella's dead and Andromeda says, yes, snarls Andromeda and about an hour too late, too late for Dora. When I read that, I went, oh, hang on, Bellatrix killed Tonks, didn't she? And that just is, makes it even worse for me because... How could she go up to her and go, Bella's dead. Oh, Let's Bella's wait, dead. So to be fair, Dora. I have to assume she didn't know. To be fair, you guys have to remember, she didn't come up and just say Bella's dead straight away. She went to try to say something to Andromeda, but then Andromeda said something about, well, you know, I had a sister like you, but she's probably dead. Then when she says that, she says, well, Bella's dead. And I mean, it's not like, I don't think she was going to try to get uh, sympathy. I know, Bella but just the dead. fact that she even mentioned her name at the funeral. Because wasn't it Tonks' just... funeral? Mm-hmm. Well, and then Narcissa has the gall to say, I almost lost my husband and my son. I can only imagine what this must be like. God, I hate her. I hate all of them. Come on, Narcissa isn't that... But she's got no social tact here. You have to admit she's got no social tact here whatsoever. Well, I mean, and then she also says it was almost me instead of you. You don't say that to people. Not when they've just lost their husband, their daughter, their son-in-law. I think you guys are being unfair. I don't think it was, wow, thank God that happened to you and not me. That's not really what she's going for here. I don't... Well, no, I don't think that that's what she's saying. Just the fact that she acknowledged They are sisters after all. It's not like they're enemies. Not really. But they were. They were on opposite sides. They've been on opposite sides of the war for years and Narcissa had written her off. They're still family. Yeah. 
But it doesn't. But but Sissy didn't care until everyone died. She didn't come crawling back to apologize until they were all gone, and she didn't. She have didn't to deal care until her family almost died. I think she's just stupid. Narcissa was not a participant in the war. No, but just the fact that Lucius was a Death Eater and Bella was a Death Eater, and they are both so heavily involved in the war, and then Narcissa has the gall to show up at her daughter's <sighs> funeral after Bella has I annihilated her. I think that you her. are just dead set on hating Narcissa in this fic. That's what I. I actually don't hate Narcissa. I think she's made a real social gaffe, worse than Harry's. I tell you, because yeah. she should know better. She's been raised properly, and she's you know like a pure See, blood. See, that's all the Tezza's right. I mean, she's, she's been raised in this like one of his family's nice manners You've and got stuff. Got all the little forks and stuff. So I would kind of assume she'd know not to do that. And no, I don't really hate Narcissa. I pity Narcissa. She's a real tragic figure. She's just made the biggest lapse of propriety that I can possibly think of. I'm just not sure that showing up at Tonks and Ramus's funeral was the best place for her to try to initiate a mm-hmm. reconciliation. I think she went there to try to, to reconcile, but not, not to grieve so much as to be there for her sister, which is what she was trying I'll to do. I'll give her points I for think. that, for showing up to acknowledge. She would have been better off to stand in the back row, made sure that her yeah. sister saw her, and then Because she says, I wanted to remind uh-huh. you that you still have family, if you'll have us, please. And I think that that is an admirable sentiment, absolutely, because they, they need to heal these gaps that have been caused through, you know, years and years and years. They need to heal that, but at the funeral? Not with the circumstances not, being Not if were. Bellatrix has just killed Tonks. Oh, and Ted had been hunted down. I actually have a, I do have a respect for, for Narcissa. I didn't understand it in book six because I didn't know whether she was a Death Eater and what vow she was making, but when I understood at the end of book seven that she'd been protecting Draco and, and combined with all her actions there, she's actually one of those quite strong mother figures in the series. That's true. I mean, she has to be a strong woman in order to live in that house. Mm. She just, it wasn't a good decision that she did. Not in the story. I will concur that point. That way we won't spend another hour. Can we talk about how cute some of the baby stuff is? I just love the little little touches. Like, um, as a witch, she has a different apron than most mothers. Do you see? It says, a witch's mother's apron. It has a pocket for her wand well out of the baby's reach. Like, that's just a really nice touch that he puts in there to show that it's a magical world. And I just, I love it when the authors take the time to remind you that these aren't just muggles. I just thought the whole concept of Harry in the witch's mother's apron was (laughs) Oh, dear. And then Harry wow. blowing on the baby belly. And then yeah. Harry and Jenny together. And they're like, oh, he did the nose this time. You know? And, and then they yeah, start the talking. The metamorph- metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. <laughs> Whatever it is. The thing that Teddy and Tonks are that makes them do the Metamorph magus, I think it is. Thank metamorph you. Metamorph Yeah. Was, <laughs> was really cute. Just like the, where Andromeda explains the theory of it to Harry. Like, I like the one where she said that Tonks spent a whole afternoon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I spent an afternoon doing my best not to notice that Dora was stomping around the house with skin that matched the hound's tooth pattern on the sofa. (laughs) Descriptions like that make me wish that magic like that existed because that'd be something to see. It would. Just imagine look over at somebody and they have some sort of like that or some other crazy metamorph thing going on. Pig nose or I don't know, whatever. I had a favorite part right after that. Andromeda is talking to Harry and Jenny and says that, you know, I'm really going to miss you when you go back to Hogwarts. And... Harry's like, well, you're not going to miss me much because I'm going to be able to leave two, three times a week. Favorite from a gun. I'm going, she's like, wow, you know, she doesn't have to do that. I forget what he says. Something about a couple of deaths happening and then about 
parents. We're both heroes. His parents, too. His parents. You know, he's, yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And he said, you know, had helped them out of a tight spot a time or two, and that, you know, he was <laughs> calling in some of those favors that he was owed. And I just. Ginny finishes uh, for him wearing a mischievous grin. Certain allowances are made for Harry. He's done the nation a small service or two recently. <laughs> yeah, just a small well, one. Well, and then what I thought was, oh, certain allowances are made for Harry. And she says, but then she begins to reevaluate her earlier assessment of Molly Weasley's <laughs> wishes. Then she sees them praying like unicorns. She knows that although they're incredibly in love, she doesn't think that they're actually going against Jenny's parents' wishes by doing the deed in her home. She thinks she can <laughs> smell it. I would like to know how you can smell that. <laughs> And then Jenny well, says that, and then she's like, oh, maybe I should reevaluate. <laughs> and that just kind of cracked me up because she's like, well. Certain allowances hmm, are made for Harry. He get what he wants. <laughs> Certain allowances, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> and I like the way it doesn't actually answer the question. You can decide for yourself whether or not allowances are being made for Harry. Now, um, and like I said, Harry and Jenny could be going at it in the parlor sofa, and, and Molly would say, oh, thank you, dear, for doing my daughter. Uh, let me go make you a treat. <laughs> You know, for some reason, I have uh, I have mild <laughs> doubts that Molly Weasley would say that. But hey, maybe I'm not sure she'd be that. Um, although, uh, do you remember that? Like a shameless plug here. There's a line in my fic that Harry's all embarrassed and he thinks George is going to talk to him about in him and Ginny, you know, doing the deed. And George says something like, "You could shag Ginny sideways right now. No one would care." <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of this whole entire fic is the part when Draco comes and she comes is like, okay, give me your wand. And he finally comes in and she's like, well, what do you want? And he's like, I've come to babysit the cub. And to me, I don't know. I wouldn't say I was annoyed or angry or anything like that. It was just, I can't really express myself. Why at all. I, thought. I just thought cub? that was a really great line. That was weird. That's because like, that's yeah, what Voldemort said to him. If you remember in Deathly Hallows, in the first chapter, when Draco and everybody's in the room, Snape and everybody's in there, and he says, so Draco, are you going to be babysitting the cub anytime soon? Oh, okay, okay, I get it now. It's good. Now I think it's good. At first, I, I don't remember stupid, that bit. Is that I, in Deathly Hallows? Tell me where. Yes, it is, in the very yes, first chapter. Yes, it is. Hey, yes, it is. I, I need to reread that. I'll go get mine right now. I, it's yeah, right read like it, it to I me. I like it. I like that line now. I just didn't get it. I just thought Draco was being an idiot. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> What say you, Draco? Will you babysit the cubs? So that's what he said to him when he found out that they had gotten married. You know what I actually really liked? We, we touched on it a bit earlier. When I first read this fic, the, the description of them preening like a pair of unicorns, it just really put a picture in my head. I could see them sitting on the sofa <laughs> and just, you know, not able to keep their hands off each other. Yeah, and the whole bit about Andromeda noticing and they're both recognizing between themselves that they think the other is going to be a good mother or a good father and how charged yeah. it is between them and she's like oh there's gonna be a wedding there (laughs) i don't think that kind of charge exactly talking more like electrical sexual energy charged i don't think the books really acknowledge that any of them have hormones except for that silly beast in harry's chest (laughs) quite frankly (laughs) there is no there is no acknowledgement of any hormones apart from that oh and the fluttering oh sorry the fluttering in his stomach when he first sees cho but and when that steamy kiss or however you want to <laughs> describe the uh You mean page one sixteen? <laughs> yeah. You know which page it's on? 
It's not on page 16 in my book. No, 116. Here's on what's on page 116 in my book. Is that what we're talking about, page 116 of Deathly Hallows? Well, it's the American version. I have the British version. Wear what you like and I'll put a full body bind curse on mum until it's all over. She wasn't too bad this morning considering, said George. Cried a bit about Percy not being here, but who wants him? Oh, blimey, brace yourselves. Here they come. Look, brightly coloured figures were appearing one by one out of nowhere at the distant boundary of the yard. (laughs) (laughs) What page is it on? Now, before we finish, I have to tell you what page. It's at Harry's birthday, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's before the wedding. Before the wedding, after the ghoul. Out your page 99. There's the silver lining I've been looking for. There you go. <laughs> you, I hate Harry, you, Jenny. You, Jesus you. Christ. Oh. I'm with you, Richard. I'm with you. Don't forget She whispered, about me. and then gonna... she was kissing him as, as she had never kissed him before, and Harry was kissing her back, and it was blissful oblivion, better than fire whiskey. She was the only real thing in the world. I'm not listening. Ginny, the feel of her, one hand at her back and one of her long, sweet-smelling hair. The door bang opened and Richard and P.S. crashed the party. That would have went on much further. I would have burned the party down. Richard burned the burrow down. And yet, for your fluff romance, you chose a Harry Ginny where they nuzzle each other like a pair of unicorns. Hang on. Stop. 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 Okay, first of all. Harry Jenny is not a focal point of this story. This story is about Andromeda and Taylor. Only that it's archived on <laughs> a Harry Jenny site. <laughs> yeah, why, where, why were you looking at Sink Into Your Eyes to find your fan fiction pics? Well, that's the only, that's where I get most of my one-shots from, and that's where my own fics are posted at. Mm-hmm. So. Are they? You know, that's kind Favorite. of ironical. What's your, user, what's your name on there? Same thing as it is on Puffwa. Three stories on Sink Into Your Eyes, a Harry Ginny fan fiction archive. Imagine that. <laughs> His author name is Lonely Riddle, and he has three one-shots on there. And if he tries to tell you he doesn't like Harry Ginny, he must be lying. <laughs> Do you know what's not archived on Sink Into Your Eyes? A Harry Ginny fanfiction archive? Or a Slughorn in the Cauldron of Secrets? Exactly. And that's what we're doing next week. We're introducing next week's story. So that people can read it. By our very own P.S. Yay! Richard should extend final thoughts about I have no final thoughts. I thought it was great, even if it did have Harry Ginny in it and characters that I'm not particularly interested in. I still thought it was great. I, of course, because it was Harry and Ginny, I loved it. I liked actually exploring Andromeda in it. One of the things I took away from Dallas in the whole series was this idea of mothers, and she's just another mother. And I was personally just really into finding out that Teddy Lupin was going to have a solid way to be taken care of instead of some shoddy way like Harry was. So that's what, uh. So I guess that's it for Minding the Baby by Kay Schneier. We'll see you all next week. Yep. Bye bye. Good night. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. Peanut sat on a railway track. Hearts all of the Train came rolling down the track. Toot toot peanut butter. <laughs> toot toot.